And welcome to Go For The Strangers. I have a first time event. I have two lovely guests, Gabby and Abby. Um, welcome. Thank you guys for being here. Thank and you for having us. Yeah, thank you for dealing with the <laughs> back and forth with stuff. Um, so we already spoke a little bit before starting recording, and you guys are both from Mexico. Yes. Um, if you guys want to like tell me a little bit about how it was for you like growing up. Right. Um, I mean, for me, it was a little bit difficult. I went back and forth between living in Mexico and living in America. Um, between the ages of two and eight. Okay. Um, so it was dealing with school, dealing with, dealing with language barriers, um, dealing with just being the only uh, girl as well in my family. I had two older brothers, so I was just the baby. Yeah. So it was it was very difficult to adjust to both languages in such short amount of times. Yeah. So I had quite a difficult time <laughs> how how many times did you move back and forth during that period i want to say between three to four that's significant for yeah. a little kid yeah yeah and the, the last time it was in 2000 i moved back and then like six months later we moved back again and that was the last time and then we stayed um i myself was i'm not from mexico i was born in san diego california but my dad is from tijuana and his parents actually still own property there, so we would go back and forth in my childhood too uh, to visit mostly of the property. Um, my mom is first generation in America, so she was very Americanized. My dad was very, very Mexican style, so I had two mashups. And growing up, I felt very don't belong to one or the other. Yeah, yeah it was really difficult growing up too, so I could yeah. relate on people who felt. They're from both cultures, but if I tried to speak Spanish, I would get made fun of with my mom. And that would just discourage me to try. So, ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. Like the yeah. number one thing everyone says when it comes to their comfort level with speaking Spanish. Mm -hmm. What part of mm -hmm. Mexico are you guys from? Or like your family? I'm from Chihuahua. <clears throat> Chihuahua? Mm -hmm. uh, Tijuana, Ensenada. Or Tijuana, and then your mom, where, where did it? Uh... Ensenada. Ensenada. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that is. Uh, beach. It's like Baja <laughs> California, right on the coast. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I'm from Jalisco. Okay. Uh, and so I literally learned something yesterday that Nayarit yeah. is like right next to it. Like I literally don't know yeah. much about mine. So that's actually another reason why I wanted to do this is because it gets me an opportunity to learn about other people. Yeah. Literally within Mexico itself. Mm -hmm. And so it's been fascinating to be able to talk with other people from Mexico too and just like the difference culture yeah. is just yeah. not in and itself. how crazy that we're learning them amongst other strangers instead of our own families or our own like family to tell us of other things because my parents don't really explain to me a lot about how mexico was growing up and they don't really talk to me much about there's, their childhood there's so at all. much stereotyping between the own they're like even the i'm from the north i'm from chihuahua and so we have like you know we'll say like people from there oh you know like watch your wallets like we're always stereotyping them mm. to a point where it's like Oh, they're bad. See, I don't even know that. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Like I have friends, even growing up, um, they're like they tell me they're from like DF or Mexico City, and then I'll be like, oh, watch your wallets, because that's how I grew up yeah. thinking and listening to other people react to people saying where they're from. Yeah, and so even, you're learning from other people's places. Yeah, your even now, like I talk to my parents, and I'm like, oh, I want to go here and here, and like they're a bit racist. They're very old school. There's, I know, there's a part in Mexico where it's um. There's a lot of black people, mm -hmm. and I, I, I mentioned something about that. My dad's like, oh, no, you probably shouldn't go there. 
I'm yeah. like, why? <laughs> it's so messed up. Interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. And um, I'm assuming that you guys are both born in the States. Oh, yeah. You said San Diego. No, I was you born in Mexico. Born in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a citizen, considered a citizen? No. Okay. So we are in the middle of all that paperwork Oh, because right you guys are married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I did have DACA, uh-huh. and then I... Can you actually explain what DACA is? Because, like, I... Okay, I was born in Mexico too, mm-hmm. but I became a citizen through my dad at a young okay. age. So I don't have to deal with that. I, I, I don't. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yes. But at the same time, I'm very naive and very clueless yeah. when it comes to everything. I know what DACA is, but I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So basically, it was this law that came into place when Obama was in uh, being president. Uh-huh. And it basically says that if you made it, they have very, very specific timelines. And I don't remember exactly when they were, but you had to be in the States before a certain amount of time. You had to be residing in the States for at least 15 years minimum. Um, our my the first time I applied for mm-hmm. it, I sent in like probably two pounds worth of documents. No, like yeah, it was wild. ridiculous. And and you know a lot of people probably are like, oh that's crazy. But me and my brothers did it ourselves. Yeah, there's a lot of people that paid thousands of dollars to because they didn't understand what was going on to have a lawyer do it for them. So me and my brothers were like, we don't have lawyer money. We're gonna wing it, and we winged it. So it was it was rough at first. Um, Did you and, have to spend any money on that? Yeah. How you, much, if you don't um, mind me asking? I believe the first time, yeah, what was it? I think it's like, oh man, I, I don't remember. A couple hundred anymore. dollars? No, 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 it's more. It's like above $500. And it's every time. It's Every it, time? Yeah, before it was every four years. And then um, now... Uh, after Trump is now it's every year and it's like over $700 every time so when when my DACA was up I renewed it but that's when um, the pandemic hit okay so then I'm just sitting there I'm like okay I'm waiting on it and then there's so much stuff going on with immigration I get it back like four months later saying so and so you got the wrong documents I'm like are you kidding so I send it again. Oh, God. And then they're like, oh, well, these documents are the old documents. You need some new paperwork because the date on the paperwork that you had is not valid anymore. I'm like, wow. oh, my God. And okay. every time we're resending it, we're paying FedEx to get it there immediately. I've paid like, like $60 just to get it there next day. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, it's for me, it's an emergency. Yeah. And the very last time I sent my DACA was like maybe a month or two before we were planning on getting married and then saving up to pay for the green card. Yeah. And that's more money. And we send it in and just the epitome of it was absolutely ridiculous. We get it back and it said, we cannot take your paperwork because there is damage to the paperwork. And we look at it and I kid you not. There's literally coffee stains on this. Oh my fucking god! Rings. It looks like someone left it out in the fucking rain. It's wet. It's like, like you know what paper looks like when it's been out in the rain? It looked like that. Like somebody just spilled their coffee all over it. And I'm yeah. like, are you kidding me? So now it's back on me. And at this point, I had to make a choice. I'm like, do we keep sending this money? Do we save it so we can pay for the green card? And I, I made the choice. I was like, we're we're gonna have to just pay for the green card because in the end run, that's gonna be the best bet. Yeah. And so we got married. We eloped in um, Reno. Reno. <laughs> Why Reno? Because Donald Reno. 
Why not Why not Vegas? Because <laughs> it was too far. It was very Corona yeah. times. So I mean, it was like, Vegas was getting a little crazy. Yeah. So I wanted to elope here and have my friend just be one of the person that, that does the the ceremony yeah but it took like two weeks you had a mail-in paperwork you had to do this 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 and this yeah and in reno it's like vegas status it's like you show up you sign things you're boom you're married yeah yeah (laughs) so i was like shit why not a little baby honeymoon and we got a couple of our friends to come down and then we didn't tell anybody just mm-hmm. our friends were like hey we're just the friends doing that this. literally were involved were yeah. the ones that came yeah and we got married which was like three of them four of them and right saying, so no one gets yeah pissed. it was like <laughs> <laughs> no one knows even now i have like cousins and family that yeah. don't know that i'm there. yeah my mom doesn't know yeah. so yeah it's, it's a lot it's a whole other thing <laughs> go on <laughs> so the um, process to get the um like for you to get your citizenship how has that been? If you want to like delve a little bit more um, into that, so it's been very stressful. Uh, I've been out without DACA, so I don't have a worker's permit anymore. Oh shit! Um, so I'm just kind of been like you know floating around. Um, we are pretty much to the last part of it, which mm-hmm. would be the interview process. We are waiting on to see what they're gonna say. Actually, a couple of days ago, I got an email saying, which is super messed up because the email says. Uh, changes have been made to your status, but it doesn't tell you anything else. I go and log in, it doesn't say anything. So I just have to wait for the mail part of it, which is hopefully this next week. So now I'm sitting here and it's like, like I've been here 21, going on 22 years on Mother's Day. Yeah. Straightforward, never left the country. And I'm just like nervous as hell. I'm like, am I getting deported? Are they accepting me? Like, why wouldn't they? So I don't know. The interview process. So what I think of when I think of the interview process, mm-hmm. I think of what TV has shown me and like you're sitting down, they're asking you questions about each other to see if you guys, is that literally <laughs> yeah. what it is? It's, it's very too. personal. I yeah. I was talking to my sister-in-law cause she had to do it a couple yeah. years ago and she was telling us, she's like, they like grill you and question you about your own relationship. They have you pull up like, like proof, like pictures and documents, Let me and the date on that they picture. they want to see us like have a joint account together, have things under our same name. Like they want to see specific things. That makes me so angry. It's yeah. it's very prove to us why. Well, it, and it's very like in your face. Like I need to see what you're doing in your life. Yeah, I hate that. For Vicious. You. There I, we go. That's I, the word. I, I hate that for <laughs> anyone that has to go with that because it's it is invasive it's your own personal life and mm-hmm. in order for you to get this quote unquote to be considered legal here you yeah. have to go through this shit yeah oh my god that's annoying um I mean, i've been here my whole life basically i've been here since i was eight yeah i paid my taxes i've you know I've yeah worked uh, with tin and all that hard stuff and that's so i graduated i went to school i've done everything they've asked of me but you're still considered illegal yeah. in this oh, country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with DACA, you actually have to do fingerprints and background checks every single time. Like, that's no questions asked. And so, like, you can't have anything on your record. There, You can't, you can't like, sniff the wrong way towards a cop without <laughs> that shit being on your record. Oh, and it's, it's crazy, especially now because of everything that's going on. You see the people at the border. You, you see what's going on with Ukraine. And mm. you want to help, but at the same time, it's like, listen, my people are in cages, and you're complaining that you waited at the border for three days. And I get it. You, 
you don't have a home either, but neither do they, and they've been there for months, if not a year. Yeah, I when yeah, I was driving yesterday back, or when I was driving yesterday into into Portland, um, on not like where the main bridge is, but on closer to Kalmas. Okay, bridge, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, there was a whole bunch of people. I probably I don't know anywhere probably like fifty people, and they had the Ukraine flag, and they're like, you know, we we stand with Ukraine. I'm like, I love that, yeah. but in the back of my head, I'm like, where was that support for my people? Yeah. yeah. And, and we didn't see that. We're, no. People weren't hanging out Mexican flags and stuff like that. No. no. That stuff. Yeah. Did you know? Okay. So I, the one of the people that I spoke with, um, her name is Connie. She's mm-hmm. from Chile. She told me a little bit about um, how she came over here mm-hmm. and the process that she had to go through. I was very surprised because she said that people from Chile, in a sense, it's easier for them to just come over here with a, um, a visa, a visa. Visitor visa. Yeah, yeah. a 90 day visitor visa thing or a hundred and something, whatever. Yeah. Long, longer than that, I think. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but nice. she said that there wasn't much that she had to do and she could just do that. Yeah. And I was taken back because I have a cousin who tried to come over here in Mexico, obviously Mexico, mm-hmm. just to visit, but it was denied. Yeah. And part of me is like, that seems really not right in my head. Yeah. How easy it is for someone. A little sus there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And part of me is like, well, Chile is all the way down south. There's not many Chileans that are up here. So is that why? You know, it's not something I, I couldn't help but think of. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know how easy it was for her to come over here. I always thought it was impossible or if not, like, super difficult. Yeah. Were you guys, like, aware that that's it's easier for other people? I'm not surprised. I mean, if you take a look at the economic statuses of other places, other countries, or However, however they're doing now, technology advanced kind of things, or what their people even look like, honestly. I mean, I'm not shocked. It sucks. I'm not shocked. I think that just goes with my being naive, because I was very surprised. And, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, I've been shocked. I've been shocked this whole last few years. I keep getting shocked that I'm to a point now where it's like, I'm not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about, so you guys are both from Mexico or like, you know, our mm-hmm. Mexican culture. Have they clashed at your in your home at all? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. How so? Especially in mine because, you know, we came from such a young age to we were in school from like kindergarten and all the way up until we graduated and whatnot. But our our family culture was very Mexican. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom would wake me up at seven in the morning and I have to start doing tortillas and like start cleaning and all this fun stuff <laughs> that every seven year old wants to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but then I go to school and it'd be like a whole different world. And then I started like learning English and it like made it more fun. Yeah. And then I started like, you know, understanding the culture and, and to me, as a as a child, even now, I'm still very proud of being Mexican. Yeah. But if I ever talk to anybody from Mexico or anybody in my family, they'd always be like, oh, es que eres más de allá que de acá. And I'm like, I don't understand what that means. Because to me, I'm I'm this, like, little brown Mexican girl. Yeah. And to them, it's like, oh, well, you've been over here so long. Like, it doesn't count. And I'm like, how does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still very proud of who I am and yeah. my roots. But at the same time... I did lose it for a while because I would keep getting that. And so then I started adjusting to the American life. And, like, you know, I would only speak English and my parents would be very upset. Mm-hmm. And then they, yeah, I'd, I'd get my butt whooped every once in a while because I'd be like, 
<laughs> I'd pull some AKA, you know, American kid thing and okay. be like, I'm calling the cops on you. And me to be like, déjame te enseño por qué you're not. And then, you know, I'd get my ass whipped. <laughs> I was a very rebellious kid in a, like, healthy way. But for them, it was too much. Yeah. Because I was also very Catholic. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> very Catholic. <laughs> Religious trauma? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, that's that's something that we're definitely going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was horrible. You know, and this is what it gets everybody. My mom was a nun before she met my dad. Bitch, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, here's the thing. I have a nun in my family, and I've never met anyone else who has a Catholic nun in their family. Yeah, no, my <laughs> mom. Your story beats my story. <laughs> my mom, yeah. And Wait, that's hella... It's crazy. That's hella against the Catholic. Right. Um, so she quit being a yeah, nun. She left the but, but you know how they get excommunicated? She didn't give a shit. She still made us be Catholic. I don't know how. I don't know what happened there. Listen, I. Does she take like the Ostia? Oh, yeah. She does the whole thing. She's like, I, I remember talking to her once and she said to me that she was there because her dad wanted somebody to be of the priesthood or like of the church so he tried to get all his kids to be priests and nuns one of my uncles was in the priesthood for a while but then he was like nah fuck this yeah (laughs) and then my mom was the one that stayed the longest um but then she met my dad and it all kind of went south (laughs) how old was she when she met your dad um she was 24 I think mm-hmm. yeah how yeah. long how, how long was she a nun for before that from, from a very young age so like a very young age and and you know you can't plead like you can't be a nun until you're older but she was in and out of the convent because my grandparents were like helping her sister like her family's ages are very weird okay um so it's it's just a little complicated because they had a lot of kids and so they were like up and down with all these kids and my mom would just like go to the convent on the weekends because that's what my grandfather wanted and so then she'd stay at the convent for a long period of time and then towards the end like when she was a teenager she started staying at the convent um and then what was it like maybe a couple years after that um she like did the whole ceremony she like there's family pictures of her like you know doing this whole ceremony to be a nun to like she looks like she's only in her late teens too yeah late teens early 20s and she's sitting there you know doing the whole Jesus thing and then (laughs) you skip a couple pages and then there's her and my dad getting married (laughs) my grandpa was not happy about it oh I can imagine he was not happy about it and my mom was like listen either you support my like either you support this or it's it's still gonna happen either way whether you give us your blessing or not yeah and i think it's funny because she tells me tells me all these stories of like her doing all these adventures you know my dad like dropped out when he was in third grade because my grandfather died and then started coming over here jumping on the train and coming over here when he was like 16 17 yeah and so they're always telling me all, all these adventures and all the crazy things they did and I'm over here trying to have like my own adventures. They're like, no, you can't. You can't do that. You can't do that. They put so many limits on me. Mm-hmm. And I could see them like having my brothers like, oh, you guys can do this. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be this, this, and this. <laughs> and they like turn around and like, hey, like, 
we're going to make you to be, like, the perfect housewife. Mm. Like, that's what you're going to be good at. But your brothers, like, you have to serve them, too. And so that was hard. Oh. Yeah. It, no. it was it was it was very very old school when it came to my parents cuz my they were both from a very very small town in Chihuahua and like I said my mom was Catholic, my dad obviously was Catholic too and then they got married so it was like super strict. And I like I sit here and I'm like I you know it was rough, but then I could think about how it much worse it would have been staying in our small little town because it would have been way worse like i don't know if i would have came out I, like it would have been i don't know it's it's hard to think about yeah um i want to tell my aunt's non-story um this is just hearsay <laughs> but take that as you wish and i didn't know this until i think within the past year when i went to visit my family and then i heard my mom say something um she was saying how my aunt, before she became a nun, because she was, I don't know, she must have been in her 20s, I think, but it was later. Mm-hmm. And she was a very smart person. Um, she was going to school. She got, like, a degree or whatever in chemistry or some shit. And she pretty much gave that up to be a nun. Wow. That's the story that was told to me. Right. But, <laughs> but my mom told me and mentioned that my aunt used to carry around a picture of her best friend in her wallet. Oh. And they were such good friends. Oh, no. (laughs) So I don't know if my aunt is gay or uh, something else other than straight, but that, who carries a picture of their best friend in their wallet? Yeah. You know? You know? I mean, so it made me wonder, like, what kind of position she must have been in to think that that was her best option? Yeah. Did she think that her sexuality was a sin? Like, how much hate Probably, did yeah. she have? And um, and then later on, I have another aunt, um, her sister, who is currently dating a woman. I don't know her sexuality, mm-hmm. but is dating a woman now mm-hmm. after, like, years of being with a man. And I asked my, my cousin, who is his, that's his mom, I said, hey, out of curiosity, I was like, how does my grandma feel about this? Because I was curious. I was like, I'm not out to my, like, uh, any of my family, yeah. except for, like, my sister and some cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, uh, my cousin said, ¿Cómo es que se, que mi hija le gusta acostarse con, con mujeres? But, yeah, I was like, well, that kind of goes to show what my, my grandma would think. I was like, that's not a conversation that I'm going to get into with her. No, yeah. And yeah. stuff. But, um, yeah, I just, your story, like, my story used to, it was always a good story, but your story definitely tops <laughs> tops my aunt's nun story. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else that you want to add on that? No, I mean, some like along to what you said about your aunt, my mom would tell me, you know, and she like now that mm-hmm. that I'm out and everything, she'd tell me she's like, yeah, there was a lot of people that I knew that they were there because they were gay. It's that inner struggle of guilt, <sighs> yeah. shame, and I know growing up, like I hated myself. Like I, I told my mom this when I came out. I was like, I tried to pray it away. I swear to God, I did. <laughs> and like now looking back, I was like, that's so sad. <laughs> no, but that's it. Just that gives you a perspective as to how dangerous organized religion can yeah. be. Yeah, honestly, it drives you. Yeah, like it, yeah. it. For me, it was so, so fucking ingrained in my head 
I suppressed it that I didn't fucking realize the signs that I had here and there. I literally had written in my journal, I think I'm gay, like at 18, wrote, zoom that shit out of my <laughs> head. And then it wasn't until uh, two years ago that I was like, <laughs> I'm not straight. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I also lived in Idaho where there's a lot of conservative people. Absolutely. So, and not only in my Catholic upbringing, mm-hmm. but then being around even more conservative people. Your friends, your peers. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, did not come out I didn't mm-hmm. even give myself the opportunity to consider sexuality in a sense because yeah. it's so taboo and even just fucking masturbating is seen as a such yeah. taboo yeah. thing um, I mean your nature is preserving you too you're not out you're not yeah. doing all these things that would call attention to you in a negative way because you're self-preserving yourself that's your the way that I that I think about it is that my brain has a lot of self-preservation oh, like yeah. things mm-hmm. like so like I dissociate and I didn't know that was a, a self-preservation thing yeah. um, it's kind of cool like people who don't dissociate don't know how to like actively dissociate I was like that's kind of cool it's like you can't just sit there and like <laughs> zone everything out I'm just gonna get out of this really yeah. quick um, I thought it was a talent <laughs> I was like I can do that um, but yeah what about you how, especially being part first gen and second gen how did it, um, how was it for you growing up oh yeah if we're going back to the cultures clashing kind of thing yeah. uh, it was definitely a lot with what she was saying she started speaking more English Spanish was my first language mm-hmm. uh, when I grew up I was raised by my grandma who I should say raised maybe like babysat or taking care of while two parents had to go to work because they were teenagers so they had to go get money for this one kid that yeah. they unexpectedly had <laughs> in a poor household like my uh, their parents don't have money so my grandma would watch me and she was spanish speaking grew up with that very normal in my lifestyle i guess so Govijas, chocolate coffees the little Ma- maria cookies like all yeah, that yeah, yeah. Very... but as i got into school i had to speak english or else i was going to get put in those english classes you know the language, oh, the yes, language so. development mm-hmm. yeah 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 i was there so my mom put <laughs> she forgot to put english on the paper she put spanish oh but they English, 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 I started learning that the most. In the household, I would start speaking English more. And my parents didn't like that. Like, hey, you need to learn Spanish, too. And it didn't make sense to me because as I started growing up, we started, they got their money. They're doing good for themselves. We are now getting away from my Mexican family. Now we're we're staying more close to my mom's side of the family, which is definitely a lot more Americanized than Mm -hmm. my dad's side. That's what I started growing up with. That's what I'm learning getting into. And... Now I'm here looking like a Mexican, but speaking super English, like a total American or total Californian. And <laughs> it's like, I'm not fitting into anything. I don't fit in with the Mexicans in school. I, I had to go to ELD, what was it called? ELS. Yes, ELS. I had to actually go to the uh, class when in high school because I started dropping really bad in English. English was my favorite subject, but I was going through this like crisis and couldn't identify with myself. They put me in this class and there's a bunch of other fellow Mexicans and I was the only super Americanized whitewash I don't really like the term but it's like what I don't know how else to describe it and uh didn't fit in there yeah definitely didn't stuck out didn't fit in and then put me in with a bunch of I had a lot of white friends white friends do not fit in there either so it's like were you the token Latina yeah just oh, hovered people everywhere. would be like oh, you speak mexican you're, you're mexican speak mexican i'm like what the fuck? you know what i never realized so yesterday i spoke with someone i was like i just want to see how your accent is because i'm always curious like from other yeah. countries uh because i can never really tell unless it's like 
Cuban Puerto Rican, you know, like how like that. And and so I asked her, like, can you say something? And I realized, wow, how fucking annoying is that? Because I that that was me. Yeah. Oh, you speak Mexican? Can you speak some Mexican? Yeah, speak some Mexican. And yeah. so yesterday was the first time I realized how annoying it is, and I can't believe that I asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> and I would get it from my Mexican peers. They'd be like. You don't speak Spanish. You don't speak Spanish. I'm like, yes, I do. Okay, how did that fuck with your identity? Oh, so hard. I actually suppressed my Mexican culture, like, lifestyle so hard in my, like, early preteens into my teenage years. You know, those teen angst years. Oh, yeah. Yes. I suppressed it so hard. Um, I was like, I stopped speaking Spanish. I refused to. My parents spoke to me in Spanish. I spoke to to them in English. And I would say, I'm white. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm American. (laughs) Oh, total identity (laughs) crisis. And then... I don't know, I got older, and I was just like, I guess maybe uh, when we moved to Malala, I'm from San Diego, California, we moved to Malala, Oregon, Mm -hmm. and I got the shock of a lifetime, because these white people aren't like my white people back home, these white people are country white people, and that's fine, I don't, I mean, I love a good rodeo, that's fine, but it was like against, and I was like, how could you be against other people who are different from you, and then I was like, I'm fucking Mexican. <laughs> like, oh. You know what? Okay, so similar-ish. So I'm from the Bay Area. And uh, at 11, 12 years old, we moved over, over to Idaho. Yeah. Cont- country yeah. people. Country. Culture shock. <laughs> it was definitely a culture shock. And that's when I first realized that I was, I looked different mm-hmm. than other Latinos. Yeah. It wasn't until then. And then, yeah, the people, the the minority in the Bay Area was white. But again, going over there, I was like, you ain't like my white people back at home. Yeah. You're completely fucking different. <laughs> different. Oh, my God. But that's you, another thing, too. I'm so sorry. I forgot no, to mention, okay. too. Um, I'm talking about how this affected me mentally. But my wife and I, we are big girls. Like, even when we were little, we were the tallest kids in school. Where I'm pale myself. I was pale in California. Like, mm-hmm. I could identify as, like mixed half white half mexican so on top of that mm-hmm. when you don't blend in with your other cousins or friends who are short and darker and brown darker features and yeah. what's your height i'm five seven five seven and a half i like to say i'm, I'm five six five six and a half you wouldn't be accurate <laughs> <laughs> yeah see that's another thing too is we're both light-skinned yeah. tall mm-hmm. latinas mm-hmm. and that's the other thing too yeah you don't fit in with the other type of people that were around you that were stereotypically looking like appeared latino and everything like that yeah that was a big one too. yeah and then my mom's five eight nice yeah so i used to think i was short because <laughs> all my family members are like hi yeah. <laughs> nice yeah so, yeah it's pretty my family is mostly i'm considered tall she's considered tall for a female in her family so yeah we're pretty yeah. on the yeah. taller side but we're not that tall. i'm considered short in my exactly because there's families out there that oh, are a lot taller yeah i have like two aunts that are shorter than me but Very most cool. of my aunts are fucking That's close awesome. to six foot oh, i wish wow. i was taller i know me too there's something that you mentioned about schooling like your parents wanted you to be um the perfect housewife yeah and I am curious, did they even encourage going to, like, school after high school? Um, see, that that's, they, they did, and it, they just, they, they made it hard, because the way they would encourage us, or encourage me, is by telling me that I couldn't do it. Wow. So they constantly be like, oh, I'm going to make her believe that, like, oh, I don't believe in you. So you can be like, oh, I'll show you. And in a part, you know, like, that's nice. It makes me tough. But 
being young and being told like oh yeah you could just go to work or like you can just go be a nurse like they were just giving me basic jobs like anything that i actually wanted to do it wasn't possible to them it still isn't possible like i talked to them about certain things that i want to do and they're like well yeah you know you never know you probably you should get just like a stable job like any kind of stable job for them is a good job enough for me like i can't reach for the stars like yeah. just as long as i'm like okay that's good enough for yeah. them which yeah. sucks yeah <laughs> For, for school, what was the hardest things for you guys growing up in school? Um, purse? I mean, I'm honestly, it was PE, and not because I couldn't do the shit that was being put out. I fucking loved volleyball. I loved, like, I hated track, I'll be honest. I hate running. Running's horrible. But <laughs> <laughs> everything else, I love it. But <clears throat> as I was getting to those years of, you know, hormones changing and all that fun stuff, I did realize a lot more I'm not shaped like a lot of these typical 13-year-old white girls, frankly, because that was mostly the skinny. school. That was yeah. the population mainly in my school. So I stuck out. Unfortunately, I was very shapely at a young age already, so I definitely stuck out. I wasn't comfortable in anything. I was probably the worst, worst part of school. <laughs> Did you ever feel like you were always less attractive because you didn't fit their stereotype? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I was... And people would call me fat. And you know what's terrible is I wasn't even fat. I was just bigger. I was shapely. I was curvy, I guess, is what we say now, right? And I believed it. I was like, I'm so fat and disgusting. Like, oh, it was the worst. Yeah. It was pretty hard for me. I, I went from junior high to high school. And junior high, was I had a good time. I had fun. I, I went with my elementary friends. Mm -hmm. So I, like, knew everybody. But then when it came to high school, I actually ended up going to Catholic high school. And then, Oof. yeah. <laughs> and then that, like, turned the dynamic from, like, my peers being, you know, black and brown, about 90% of them, to being, like, the only Mexican in my class. Really? I was, like, one of, like, maybe four Mexicans in my class. Um, it wasn't a very big school. My graduating class ended up being, like, like 90 kids, 100 oh, wow. kids. Um, but everybody was white. It was one of those like fancy, bougie, Catholic, white yeah. schools, unfortunately. Did you um, mention where you grew up? In Salt Lake. So oh. Utah. Oh. Utah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I forgot to say that. Salt yeah. Lake. That was fucking worse than Idaho. Uh, yeah, a lot of Mormons there. Yeah, so, yeah, so it, was really, it was really scary because I, like, I went from knowing everybody to not knowing anybody and my like I was culture shocked I you know I went from being like hey Kilda, like just you know speaking my Spanish with my friends to not speaking any Spanish to not being able to relate to anybody I had a hard time like making friends in the beginning because I couldn't talk to anybody mm -hmm. I was also like I, I'm not sure how tall I was in high school when I first got there but I was still like the tallest person there yeah. I, I would always get you know, confused as being Polynesian or Tongan because I was always so big and I have nothing against it. They got, you know, it's a, they're beautiful cultures, but like, it's just not my culture. Yeah. And in, in, especially in Utah, there's a lot of Tongan and Polynesian people. And so anywhere I would go, like I see Polynesian people and they like try to talk to me. I, I remember once some lady was like, you don't know your own language. And I was like, I know Spanish. <laughs> That's my language. 
and she realized like I wasn't Polynesian and yeah. I, I got that so much okay. but it was it was very hard from transitioning from like one culture to another and so now I'm sitting here in this high school where I know nobody yeah. my brothers the brother that I did go to high school with wasn't like the most socialist so I couldn't like go to be like hey can I just hang out with you like he wasn't very like like, hey, I'll I got your bag. Yeah. 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 It was like, hey, you're over there and I'm over here. And like, we're siblings, but like, don't tell people. <laughs> That's how I it felt. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I went from being the biggest Mexican there. And so now people think I'm intimidating because I'm this big brown girl mm-hmm. that doesn't talk. And it's just like. That people are mistaking their identity. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And, and, and I even towards the end of high school, I had a couple friends be like, man, I was scared of you in the beginning. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I was I was scared of everybody else. Like, wow. yeah. And they were just like, I didn't realize who you were. And like, you just seemed intimidating. And I got that my entire life. And so like, I was a bit of a bully when I was in school because all the trauma, all, you know, I was the only girl. So I was getting pe- picked on at home. So I was like, no, I'm not going to get picked on in school. Mm-hmm. So I would pick on people. So I, like, I didn't make these connections until later in life. Yeah. I was like, damn, yeah, that's my stuff. Displacing your anger. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else ever confuse you for any other different ethnicities? I get, I get Polynesian, Tongan, um, Samoan, uh, sometimes people say Filipino but that's every once in a while um it's it's honestly rare when they say Mexican like I, I never get full-on Mexican po- my Polynesian friend at a party oh yeah she comes through the door my wife comes through the door at the time we were just dating comes through the door my Polynesian friend goes that's a sister get over here I was like, no <laughs> no son she's mexican <laughs> have you been ever like approached and started someone speaking to you in a different language yeah um i have uh it was for middle i think they're middle eastern or something they were speaking me a different language and i was like i'm sorry what and they're like your parents don't teach you your language like it's very similar yeah. situation to her i was like no, um, I'm Mexican-American. Like, I don't... I speak English only. And she's like, like, oh, okay. I've gotten that before, but mostly as well, I've been mistaken for Polynesian. I actually went to Hawaii a couple of years ago, and they thought I was Polynesian, which is pretty freaking cool. I have a nice tan. Yeah, it's pretty nice. What are the ethnicities that other people mistake you for? Oh, white. White as well is typical, but, but they think... Yes. They essentially think I'm mixed with something else. Yeah. That's... I always got that, especially in my teenagers. It's like, oh, you're half white, half Mexican or something. Yeah. That was the main one, but not really much else. Just about that. Do you guys ever, like, enjoy having other people guess? I'll be oh, really I honest. I, I enjoy it because that makes me feel like I'm more eccentric, more like... I just like doing them wrong. I just love Guess. It. I always say guess. Guess what, guess what I guess. <laughs> I'm also in the wrong. same boat, and then I'm like, I'm going to make this harder. I'm 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like, something. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I didn't think about no, that. No, do it. It's just their face is like, oh. I, I've gotten um, I've gotten European. That's like the biggest. Uh, nice. White, American, Caucasian. Honestly, I can see Italian. If you told me Italian. People, and then because my last name, people mm. think it's Italian. Um, so I've definitely got European, Italian. Um, I've Every once in a while, someone will say Asian, like mixed. Nice. And I'm like, I've. I was like, to me, I was like, I don't see it, but I mean, okay, thanks. You know what? I feel like a lot more Latino people get confused with an Asian Okay, before. my brother has been approached, and someone started speaking to him in Chinese. Uh. And my brother, he's, his eyes are, are smaller, 
and with his glasses, when he squints or when he laughs, they they're they, they're, they're totally more almond shape. Yeah. And so people, and I didn't even know this, but um, in the Bay Area, there's uh, some very areas that are a lot more like Millbrae is very. There's a lot of Asians in that in that in that area, yeah. and so it would happen a lot. And I had no idea until like a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Oh wait, are you for real?" It's like, "Yeah, people come up to me and start speaking Chinese, and I'm like, uh, 'I'm sorry, I have no idea, yeah. I have no idea.'" And I was like, "Wow!" And so then kind of made, made me think, "Oh, well, maybe that's why people think I'm also like part Asian or something Possibly like that." But it just really threw me off. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I just I never saw it because I never saw myself as anything other than Mexican. Or yeah. yeah, definitely. So I didn't start thinking I was other like I could look like this or that until other people We're started mentioning you. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. Um, is there anything you guys want to talk about like school before we move on to like a different school. topic? No, I mean, Did you, was there any top anything in school that you dreaded? I think was her original question too. Sorry. No, I mean, I really enjoyed school. I, I made sure I had fun. I didn't come out till after, after high school. After school. Yeah, I didn't want. <clears throat> I, I didn't want the drama. Like I didn't want because I I saw I graduated two thousand eleven and that was the class like right before I like was accepting. Mm-hmm. And so I, I saw a lot of homophobic within my class and like people that like I called friends and stuff be like, oh, that's, you know, like say the F word and like, you know, it's just so gay and all this stuff, but like actually mean it. And so like I saw that from the beginning and I also didn't feel comfortable with this group of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's new people. I don't trust them as much. Like I it's different cultures. So it, it was hard to adjust, but I just decided to forget all about that and just have fun that's yeah. what i did also you guys can like i just put the chairs like separately but you guys can cook if you, if you guys are you want, i was like you don't want to sit next to each other that's totally fine sometimes we need a break <laughs> like two feet away <laughs> yeah, it's like that nick jonas and and Thing where he pulls Priyanka over. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not happening to me. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> All right. So, religious trauma. Yes, religious trauma. Oh, Any, anything that you would like to share about that? Because I didn't realize I had it. Because I also grew up Catholic. I would put on, like, that little red dress and sit back in the, like, corner with a whole bunch of people. And then whenever I came to, like, uh, following the priest up, for starting the ceremony, yeah. whatever, when you do the handshaking thing, oh, yeah. I, I would do that. Uh, did you do your communion and everything? I, I got baptized, doing communion, I did my confirmation. Oh, shit. Yeah. I did it all. Uh-huh. But I didn't know. My, my dad was like, yeah, we're doing this. I was like, okay. Cool. You told I, me what to do. Yeah. Oh, awesome, I, I get a dress? <laughs> I was, see, I was like, I was 11 or so when I did my confirmation. And yeah. so that's, I didn't even realize how, like, that's considered young. To do it, because I guess a lot of people yeah. do it when they're teenagers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I, that goes to show how religious my dad is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't realize I had religious trauma until fairly recently, because I saw a bunch of videos on TikTok. I'm like, wait, holy shit, that's a thing. You start yeah. thinking about it, right? Yeah. No, I mean, like I said earlier, it, it was like you know, I was how old was I when I like started like really realizing that I liked girls, and I was like maybe ten or so. Yeah, I want to say I was like at least 10. And that's when I was just like, that's not okay. Like, I know that's not okay. Because I've seen people say that's not okay. I've heard people say that's not okay. I've seen the way my parents act when people like that are around. And so to me, I was like, it's not okay. And every night for for the longest time, I would sit there and like probably spend like 15 minutes just praying. Like, I'd be like, 
I'd, I'd say the dumbest things, but I it would essentially be like trying to pray the gay away. Like, yeah. just like, please, please make me normal and just sit there and like consistently say these things to myself in my head, out loud, whatever it was. So it was really hard. And like looking back now, it, it's it makes me sad because I spent so much time focusing on something that is meaningless now to where I could have been focusing on something like who I am like I, I feel like that's what how you said you know you had like an identity crisis it's I, I know who I am in a sense but like like not fully mm-hmm. like I know I'm a Mexican like I that's one thing nobody's gonna take away from me I don't care what they say to me like yeah. I know I'm Mexican yeah but who am I really like not the person they grew up thinking that it was wrong to be myself so who is this real person and I'm still trying to figure that out so yeah for your religion it's a struggle. I, I stopped believing in religion after my religion class in high school. <laughs> <laughs> you, okay, you, you laughing makes me think there's a story behind that. <laughs> that it's so you. funny. It's so funny because it was literally my religion class where we had a we had to learn about other religions around the world. And it was really cool and I was really excited. And we started learning. And I'm like In Salt Lake? Yeah. yeah in yeah. a Catholic school. Yeah. That's impressive. It was a requirement. It was a requirement. We had to learn about other religions. And then at the end, we would learn about the religion and through the Catholic eye view. Of oh, course. So it's of like, course. These are religions, gotta, but they're not. You got to round it around. Yeah. You got to make it come back right around. <laughs> That's the agenda. Yeah. There's the underlying yeah, rule. Of course. Uh, but the more I learned about these other religions, the more that it came, like, it just, I don't know why, but it made sense. The It made sense that, like, these stories are all basically the same story, just told in different cultures, you know? And I'm just like, it's it's the same story. Jesus, Buddha, you know, um, Allah, whatever you want to call it. If, if you see the stories, if you see, what, what's it called? The plot, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's all the same stories. So, like, I, to <clears throat> me, it didn't make sense to be of a religion when they're all basically the same, worshiping a higher unit, a higher universe, why not just, you know, be essential and, like, pray and be grateful for what you have instead of making a whole building, instead of making tax-free, instead of, you know, making it a whole situation where it benefits, you know, the top user instead of the bottom person. Yeah, we're very and, passionate about that, too. Organized religion is some... And that, to me, in high school, I was like... How does this not make sense to everybody? Mm-hmm. Like, how does this like it, it just clicked one day? I was like, this is ridiculous. And now, like, I'm I, I would consider myself a spiritual person, mm-hmm. not a religious person. Like, I, I believe in a higher being, um, and I just you know it, it comes down to the same teachings that everybody teaches. Just mm-hmm. be a damn good person. Mm-hmm. Don't be a douche. Wow. Like that's all it is. Be kind to others. Um, but yeah. Do you consider? Do you feel like attached or leaning towards? Um, <clears throat> Like a type of religion, like Buddhism, or um, or do you just consider yourself a spiritual person? Just a spiritual person. I feel like we're currently on a spiritual journey now, just trying to figure out what core values we want to focus on and what what we see. Essentially, the afterlife kind of looking mm-hmm. like yeah. for us. Okay. Yeah. And what about you? Did you grow up in a religious household? Um. Yes, I want to say yes loosely. We never went to church, but mm-hmm. it was like God was definitely a thing. Definitely, I remember going to Catholic church, uh, sun, you know, services when I was younger, a couple times. But then after 
and got older. We just didn't go to church at all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until we moved to Oregon and my parents actually split up that my mom dove head first into Christianity. Mm-hmm. So since then, uh, I could definitely say as I got older, I did go to church for maybe a couple years. Because mm-hmm. um, of that, I was still in high school, still living with my mom, so you have to do what she says, right? Yep. <laughs> but uh, since I moved out and stopped going and <sighs> realizing that reli- organized religion is some crap. I mean, and it's... No offense, but it's the weekend, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna worship anything, go up into the mountains, go have a peaceful moment. Like that's more like mentally stable and more mentally healthy for you than going to. You don't need a church into... to find God. Exactly. You don't need a church to find God. Yeah. That was one of the things that I told my dad when I when I was fifteen ish years old when I told him that I didn't want to go to church. I said, I don't believe that you need to go to a specific place to Yes. To worship, worship a god, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was difficult for him to take. Yeah, so difficult. Yeah, don't say that to my mom. Fun- she like, yeah, no. <laughs> She'll be like, yeah. No, funny enough, my dad is actually like on my side. Like he's very like, especially now, like you know, he's dug more into the whole spirituality thing, and I still believe he's he's Catholic and all this, but but I think he's very more of like just kind of freeing. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if you have your own beliefs, that's cool too. But my mom's still kind of. Oh yeah. I, I <laughs> today I've gotten at least two Easter videos. <laughs> I haven't checked my phone since, so I'm sure there's more. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've been hearing a phone buzz. It's yeah. Probably oh wow. Um, but you know, it, and it's hard. Like she was engraved into Catholicism. Yeah. You know, she went. She was a nun and all that stuff. But she's eased up on it a little bit. But my dad, yeah, he's actually more cool. He he actually says something. Along those lines of like you, you don't need a church to find God. Yeah. Like you just need like a nice quiet place, yeah. and I believe that. I think this will be a good transition to kind of sneak into um, sexuality. So you mentioned that you're a lesbian. Do you identify the same or differently? I do identify the same. Um, how was that your experiences? You mentioned a little bit here and there. Um, uh, it was very hard for me in the in the beginning. Like I said, I, I tried to pray the gay away, so mm-hmm. I did not want to be gay. Um, and then once I, I came to realization that, like, I, I can't pray the gay away, I told myself, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm never going to come out. Uh, like, I'm okay just living at home with my parents. You know, like, most, like, middle-aged Hispanic women that live with their parents do. Like, it's true. It's like, mm-hmm. listen, I'm just going to accept the fact that <clears throat> I, I, I'm I not going to come out, and so I'm just going to stay single forever. And that was my moment of like okay that's it like that's the choice and then later on you know that choice was very hard to like hey like i want to explore like i you know i'm becoming a teenager i want to be sexual like Mm -hmm. what's going on and then i'm like no because i can't do that and i told myself i wouldn't do that (laughs) so now i'm fighting a battle with my own self of like you know being my authentic self and being gay or like you know just not doing it Mm -hmm turning your back on yeah and 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 i like was super depressed Mm. and i it came down to like like it was my mental health it was my physical health i was like a bit suicidal and i i remember one day i just i was moved out and i i like broke down i was working at a call center some lady was yelling at me for no some dumb reason and that was it i was like that's it that's the last person (laughs) yells at me today no lost it (laughs) And and my manager pulled me out um, to the side, and she's like, "Listen, I don't know what's going on, 
And I remember these words. Like, this is some of the best advice I've ever had in my whole life. She said, I don't know what's going on. If you don't want to talk to me, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I need you to take the next couple of days off. Wow. I need you to write down whatever is going on. And you either give that letter to the person that needs to get it or you burn it. But you need to get over this. And she was just like, she's just like four foot nothing, tough little like Filipino Mexican lady. She was a total badass. And <laughs> it was Melissa. Advice. And, and I was like, okay, cool. So I go back home and I'm living with a couple of my friends. And <laughs> this is like the best moment. I tell this like to everybody. This is like my coming out <laughs> moment. And it's like a montage and everything. But I go home, I get like a notebook and whatever. And I go down the street because I was living down the street from where I used to live as a kid. Mm-hmm. And there's a park. So I know where the park is. So I go down there. I'm on top of this little hill, right? And I'm like, got my headphones in. I got my book. And I'm sitting there writing in this long ass paper. <laughs> it ended up being like six pages, front and back, all in Spanish, single space. In Spanish? Yeah. Fucking impressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all in Spanish. Single space. I'm sure my mom still has it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mom still has it. Um, and it was basically a letter to my parents. Wow. Saying like, hey, like I, I tried. Yeah. But I'm, I'm too gay for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. And uh, I remember a specific moment where like the sun was perfectly hitting the page. <laughs> <laughs> Katy Perry firework was on, and I'm on top of this hill, and I'm crying, and I'm like, yeah. Because I have a Kuna Matata on my arm, right? Yeah. Like, Hakuna Matata, don't worry about it. Like, all this crazy shit on this page. How old are you? I was, I want to say I was 20. Uh-huh. It was, yeah, it was right before I turned 21. Um, <laughs> and then, cry. I know. <laughs> and so I wrote this page, and I was feeling really good. And I told the my roommates that I was living with what was going on, and I told my best friend what was going on. Mm-hmm. She knows everything. And so I go to my parents, and we're sitting there, and we're hanging out, and I thought that I could give it to them, just be like, here you go. God, no, I couldn't do that. <laughs> and so I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to leave it on the counter. And so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And my dad's like talking about how like I should come over for the weekend, because he's going to make some carne asada, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, we'll see about that you know, after this. And so I leave it on the counter, and I leave. And before I leave, I had this all planned out. Before I leave, I already had a whole thing to post on Facebook, because when I was on Facebook at the time, both English and Spanish, because mm-hmm. I have family members on there, too. So I was like, everybody needs to know. Because in my letter, I made it very specific that I didn't want to be the family secret, because mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of that going yeah. on. It's like, it's like, hey, we know you're gay, but don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. It's like, people don't need to know. And I'm like, no, I don't want to live that life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's holding me back. That's what's making me suicidal. Like, it's not okay. <clears throat> yeah. And and so I posted it, both English, Spanish, and then I sent a message to both my older brothers. It's like, hey, I just did this. Um, you might want to go check on mom and dad. And I only got a response from one of them. And so that was pretty hard. Um, sorry, I'm going to cry. <laughs> If you cry, I might cry too. I'm, gonna, I'm like a you cry, I cry person. Yeah. I feel that. Um, I think my brother, my older brother, not responding was the hardest thing because we were so close. I'm sorry, I don't have tissues. Or no, no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then 
I, uh, I called my best friend and I told her what happened. She's like, come over. So I go over to her house and like, I'm sobbing at this point because I like, I like realize what I've done. And I'm yeah. like, I ruined my life. Like, that's it. Like, my life's over. And I literally thought my life was over. Now thinking about it, I'm like, God, that's stupid. <laughs> but I go over and my mom's like trying to call me and she's like texting me and I'm like not answering or responding. And then she texts me and she's like, your dad's having a heart attack. Oh, God. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> she's like, I'm Jesus. calling 911. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'm calling 911 and he's gonna die and all this stuff. And he literally was having a panic attack. <laughs> Poor guy. In my back of my mind, I'm like, panic attack, panic attack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just having a panic attack. Oh, and apparently, he cried for how long, knows how long. Um, But I, I like, literally, like, it was a choice that I had to make. It was, like, either it's going to be the end of my life because I can't live on like this, or it's going to be me getting, um, what's the word? Um, disowned. Yeah. Like I, I made the choice of like I will be the son and like I, I'm not gonna have any family after this. Like I was like, I'd rather have that than not be my authentic self. Yeah. And so my best friend, like, shout out to her, Tracy. Um <laughs> she had my back, she still has my I've been best friends with her since third grade and like even to this day, like we have some great plans and like one of my best friends, but she's been there since day one. She's just like, dude, I got you. And so, because of her, I've been able to, like, move forward. Yeah. It's been tough. And you mentioned your your mom a couple times. I'm assuming that your relationship is, is better now? It's better. Um, It just, <clears throat> it was so weird because she knew I was gay. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, oh, I'm your mom, I knew. And I'm like, well, you didn't make it easy for me. So why aren't you saying anything? She's like, well, you're the one that's supposed to talk to me. And I was like, are we five here? Like, what the hell? <laughs> But at the same time, like... We're trying to understand she's doing the best. The best that she could. Like, now as an adult, I understood that she did the best that she could. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you know, like I said, my my dad dropped out at third grade because my grandfather died. Mm -hmm. And so he had to, like, do work. And so there's no emotional stability for either one of them, especially at that age. And at that time, I didn't understand it. I just thought they didn't care. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just like, they're just not Mm -hmm. emotionally you know, mature, which is sad, but they did the best they could at those times. Um, and that's when she told me about, like, the nuns, you know, and that's why they're in the nun thing and all that stuff. And I was like, wow. <laughs> that's wild. <clears throat> but but the, the thing I think that hurt the most for my mom was that when she would try to talk to me about stuff like that, all she would say is that you need to go to therapy. She wouldn't give me any contacts she would just consistently be like, you need to go to therapy, making me think like I'm the crazy one. Like I know therapy is healthy and good. But, but we didn't, even five years ago, we didn't, we weren't thinking that way. Yeah. As, as today. So like, so, like your mom sitting there constantly grilling you to go to therapy because there's something wrong with you. And she'd be like, like people like you need to go to therapy. And yeah. like, there's some, if there's <clears> something <throat> wrong, and I'm like, what's wrong? Like, what is wrong? I didn't yeah. know what was wrong. So it made it very difficult. And, recently we saw them and like i've been dealing with all this stuff you know and i it was it was hard to see them i didn't want to go over because i have a my older brother here and i didn't want to go over and visit because i just 
brought up trauma. Yeah. And it was it was very it was quite difficult to see them this time around. Yeah. I I'm not I don't usually have words like to comfort people. I'm usually like that like awkward like they're there. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. But it, it it just it breaks my heart for you and for other people that have had to go through those experiences because it's not and I think that's one of the reasons why I suppressed it so hard was because I didn't. I, my brain knew that I was going to be dealing with the emotions that you were yeah. going to be dealing with, and like how painful it is, and just how like, easy is it to just put it back there? It's yeah. it's it was easy, but then I'm having to deal with the ramifications of suppressing everything of for course. so long. Yes. You know, yeah. it's only okay for so long. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, like that's one of the. I don't know what to say other than. I, I'm just glad that we're progressing as a society where it's yeah. becoming easier and easier for like kids to not even question yeah. about coming out and they don't even come out. They just say, Hey, um yeah. this I am dating this girl or like I'm dating this guy, I'm dating this person and it it makes me happy that we're progressing in that state because absolutely. kids not judge them. Yeah, because ten years ago, oh hell's no. Yeah. Absolutely. Hell's no. Yeah. So it is really hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. What would you like to share yours? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we sharing coming out stories? I'm sorry. What was your the original question? Uh, yeah, kind of in a, in a sense. Okay. In a um, sense, and maybe not like I like to hear coming out stories because I, I I'm kind of like a little like baby queer. So, like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and also mostly like because of how if you're not straight within the Latin community, how it's seen and everything. So it's kind of yeah. like. Yeah, discussing that that struggle as well thing. i mean personally I, again i'm not american white so i don't know what it's like for someone in that family to come out but for to be in like a smaller minority culture in a family and then you're also even more of a minority because you're also gay or what have you just not straight yeah i mean that's sucks it's a lot to struggle with and at a young age we're already thinking don't stick out yeah. so what yeah. more is going to we're taught stick not out? to stick out we're yeah. taught to be like hey don't embarrass me exactly hey, don't make me look bad from a parent and and this me. is like the <clears throat> ultimate embarrassing the ultimate making the family look bad just that, that's what that. we're taught yeah yeah and that's what my mom put on me the, like a lot was don't be embarrassing you're making a fool of yourself but really she's just self-reflecting of don't embarrass me yeah and as a kid, it's like, oh, I'm embarrassed, and I'm embarrassment. That's what I, what I always thought. So, yeah. I, I had my first girlfriend <laughs> in like first grade kindergarten. I think it was. I was like five, not even. She's five. more outgoing than I was. <laughs> <laughs> we held hands. Her name, I actually don't remember her name. But <laughs> sorry, sorry, girl. But we were holding hands. She was my best friend. I remember we went on a school field trip to the pumpkin patch together, and we sat next to each other. She gave me a kiss on the cheek. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I remember little glimpses of that. I have a picture too. Anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, thanks. I <laughs> but um so young age realized that I was attracted to females. Um confusing because every other female around you is with a male. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay. Uh gotta fit into that box. So as I got older, 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 no female thing, but then I remember a reawakening, if you will, when I was like 10 or 11 and a girl was playing house with a girl and she was like, well, we're married. You'll be the husband. I'll be the wife. I'm like, but I'm a girl. Can I just be like the baby or something? And she's like, no, you can be the husband. And like 
we actually, you know, kid, curious kids, right? Did yeah. some little touchy kissies or whatever uh, as a married couple would. <laughs> and that kind of was like, whoa, like, what's going on here? Yeah. And it was nothing. As you get a little older, I started hitting those preteen sexual years, and I realized, oh, like, I'm definitely attracted to people. And it wasn't until middle school where I saw a girl who was, like, total skater girl, like, total stereotype, <laughs> lesbian-looking, like, just, oof. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my now friend, Rick. <laughs> you the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we were... That really, like, I was like, oh, and I was in a school full of um, yuppie people, very straight, uh, very, like, just yuppie, just not what I was. But luckily, I had a best friend who was also incredibly alternative, like, loved Slipknot, loved AFI, was very into, like, metal and rock, you know, yeah. kind of style. Um, but also, very, I believe in God. Mm -hmm. Even when we were young, even at a time when young people are like, oh, I'm anti-whatever, I'm atheist, you know? That was very popular, but she was always believing in God, and that only made me hold on to faith, that there is something greater. And whatever, I was gay. She was my best friend. She was cool with it. it gave me more confidence to be myself. I started dating this girl that I found attractive in middle school. My very first girlfriend opened up a whole other jar because now people see me holding this girl's hand at school. People are throwing lunch food at us. No. I would want to fight. <laughs> I would want to fight so hard. She'd be like, chill out. It's not worth it. Like, we're not, we'll just get picked on more. Yeah. And I would hold her hand. I'd sit next to her. Adults, adults, you know, like the, what are they, security or something? I don't know what they are. The adult people on the campus, the patrol. Yeah. They'd be like, you guys need to separate. Why do we need to separate? We're sitting next to each other. They knew that we were a couple. They'd be like, sit like away, go away. And I'm just like, can you do that? Yeah. Got called into a counselor, had to talk about it. Um, mom basically found out. I told her, uh, this is the coming out now. I was in the kitchen. <laughs> she was making food. And I was just thinking, you know, I want to tell her that I'm dating a girl. I think I was 14. And I was like uh, 13, 14, and I was like, Mom, um, do you remember Harmony? I'm dating her. And she's like, what? And I'm like, she, I'm like, yeah. I was like, and she's like, that's disgusting. Immediate reaction was oh, just no. grotesque, confusion, fear, and just like retraction. And I was like, have you never? Because I'm thinking now, like, <clears throat> to be at my age, I mean, girls are kissing girls. Like, this is normal, you know, when they're drunk or whatever. Yeah. You know, you see it on music videos, you see it in movies. I'm like, oh, you know, girls kiss other girls. It's no big deal. I think I kissed a girl. It just barely came out, too. No. She was not about it. I was like, you never found a girl attractive when you were a teenager or, like, made out with a girl? She, no, no, no. Started fucking cutting it all down. Stop. Cool. I was crying. I go back to my bedroom. Uh, she sees me in my relationship. Not... <clears throat> involved in it she doesn't know anything but from the sidelines how my first relationship with harmony is going uh she sees it's not going well because it's my first breakup as well you know how those go right yeah. Our first heartbreak <laughs> it's a big mess when you're 13 14 your world is colliding <laughs> on you uh crying my sleep myself to sleep almost every night mm -hmm. um she took it as a sign of like this girl's gonna do something stupid <clears throat> never felt that way though like i've never I felt like I don't care what happens to me, but never I'm going to hurt myself. She thought I was, I guess. So as a mom that's trying to do her best, she put me in a psychiatric help. Wow. Yeah, I was 14. And that was confusing for me because I was like, I thought we were going to a doctor appointment. That's what she told me. <clears throat> and then we show up in an office. It feels weird. It's like 
very office-y, very like trying yeah. to make you comfortable, but it's awkward. Yeah. And my th- psychiatrist is a older white man. Mm. I'm just like, okay, but he was so nice. He had a Mr. Roger vibe to him, okay. Mr. Rogers vibe <laughs> to him. He was really nice. He actually listened to me and I talked to him. And I think my mom put me in there with the, with the thought of something is wrong with her. We're going to figure it out. We'll get her medicated. She'll be fine. And <clears throat> after my session, he comes out to talk to my mom. They talk by themselves. But then I get brought back in. And she's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, she's very level-headed. She's beyond her years. Like, she's there's nothing wrong with her, basically. Yeah. And she's like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> she's, I don't think she believed it. We leave. And she's basically, I think she thought that was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong, but oh, well, I'm going to have to figure it out on my own, I think. So she left it for many years after that. We didn't really talk about it much after until she kept putting it off, kept saying it was disgusting, kept like, if I ever brought things up about it, she was just grossed out by it kind of deal. Yeah. Very embarrassing. Very, felt very ashamed. And then I told you we moved to Mall, Oregon. I started trying to come in more to myself. I think I was about 21, 22. I tried to talk to her about it again. I'm now 27. Um, I tried to talk to her about it again. And that was when she said, listen, I don't like your lifestyle. I do not agree with what you're doing. I don't want to know about it. I don't care. Totally like tore me apart. I was like, I just wanted some advice because I don't have a mom to give me advice Mm -hmm. on relationships. So I'm supposed to navigate without that. It was really tough because I tried to find love in wrong places. And, um... I'm sorry, I don't mean to cry either, but it's really hard. It gets it's you. also something I'm dealing with now. Yeah. You're, you're not to... comfortable with anything we're talking about. <laughs> like, you don't have to. I am. I'm just such a crybaby. No, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, she was. She really shot me down, and I think that was the moment that I realized, like, I'm on my own in relationships. Like, I ended up marrying someone who I really love, and I haven't shared that with my mom. So it's really hard now. But that's her. That was her last day, and I will respect it. And I know that when she is moving on from this life, she'll regret it. And it hurts. It hurts me to think that she'll be sad about that. But she'll have to learn that on her own. So yeah. Well, I'm. I'm like. I, I love you guys are holding hands right now, and it's like really, really cute because I like the support that you guys have for each other right now. Like it's, it's really like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, makes you feel like happy. But, um, <sighs> sorry, this no, this is like also fresh for us, and we're trying to navigate through it. And it's really hard, but yeah. we're getting through it together, and it's, that's what makes it really good. Yeah, damn, that's like <laughs> again, it breaks my heart to know yeah. that like that that it does exist like that. Um, because yeah. so far the people that I've spoken to have it's worked out for them. I would hope. And yes. <laughs> Yes, they they, they said that like I'm fortunate enough where my parents accepted oh, this. Oh, so nice! And yeah. um, one of them was like to her dad, and he's like, "Hey, I'm dating this person, this girl," and the guy, dad goes, "Ike." <laughs> that's that's, uh, so that's awesome. what you want. My, to hear. Yeah, my dad, apart from my mom, my dad, he was a little more absent growing up. That's why you don't hear as much about him, but um, or I don't talk about him enough, but he's more accepting he got along with her immediately mm-hmm. he's gone along with any of the other women that he may have thought i was with and that was we told them we got married great we told him i got married yeah so he's a lot more accepting as well yeah. which is kind of makes you think what about the machismo male culture maybe they're sick of it too and they're like this is bullshit and they're trying to be a little more accepting and working on it which is nice my dad is yeah. 
Damn. Because this makes me, so I haven't come out to my parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, so it's, um, I don't know if you saw that video that I had posted of, of me talking, asking my mom about non, non-binary. non No, I haven't okay, seen Okay, so it. basically what I was is um, people were getting mad at the TikTok video, like, Latinx, la, 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 this mm-hmm. and that, and like, oh, ask your mom what she thinks about mm-hmm. non-binary or like Latinx and stuff like that. And so... I basically that was kind of in a sense me kind of coming out to her in that mm-hmm. video mm-hmm. um and she the way she responded she's like she fucking knows something yeah like, moms, moms, moms know. fucking yeah. know moms no my mom knew my sister was pregnant because she declined to eat some seafood <laughs> fucking time. it's like really they know it yeah no it's fucking <laughs> it's moms are, um but yeah like I I don't I, I don't think my mom is gonna I don't expect anything different from my mom and this one time Again, so very deep, <laughs> suppressing it. Um, we were heading somewhere, I think it was like 19 years old, and she goes, oh yeah, so-and-so asked about you um, and said if you were dating anyone. I was like, no, money doesn't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And I just remember looking at my mom like, the fuck you mean? I was so confused. But now <laughs> I'm just like, because mm, my sister, I did tell my sister, and my sister was like, I kind of thought something and a couple of people have said that before like yeah. I thought you were going to come out to me I'm like the fuck you mean <laughs> like I just was so deep in it that I was like they knew before you knew they, they knew they so knew before <laughs> so and funny. I think one of the reasons why is because I, I called I said I was queer for a long time because mm-hmm. I was like I just know I'm not straight and then I come to realize fairly kind of recently the past couple months I was like oh no I'm definitely pansexual and I think mm-hmm. that's another reason why it took me a long time is because I didn't really see so much gender in my head. I was like, I like you because I like you. And yeah. because a lot of the heteronormativity, <laughs> it always was men. Um, but I haven't told my parents. And I'm, I want to do it in person. Yeah. And with him, I don't know how he's going to respond. He's a very loving man, but he's also very religious. Mm-hmm. And he's never had problem with other people, but he doesn't also very talk a lot. So I don't know where he stands. Yeah. But um, I'm in a position where... I am preparing myself to lose people in my life. Yeah. Um, Do you fear that there are people out there who, specifically your father, your parent, people closest to, who are like saying, yeah, it's cool, whatever, whatever, they can do their own thing, but when it starts directly affecting them, do you do you fear that that will be, oh, because it's, it's me, it's someone they know? I don't know. My, my mom, I don't expect that from my mom. Because, like, in the video she said, she's like, ah, oh, pues yo soy open mind. Literally, she said that. Like, just my <laughs> oh, open mind. That's nice. And so my mom's kind of always been like that. That's why I've never been afraid to, uh-huh. like, of that. But my dad is just very quiet. Like, um, he just doesn't say anything. Like, uh, I don't know his opinion on on his sisters. Uh, his sister, like the wallet, the fo- wallet, the wallet thing, the photo, um, the one that's recently been dating a woman. Like, I don't know his opinion because he doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And so he has a good heart because of like. X, Y, Z things like, you know, I, I know, but like, I, you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's people in my life, like my grandparents that I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that conversation because it's not worth it. I'm not, it's not going to be yeah. worth me getting into conversation where I know where someone is not going to be open-minded enough to yeah. listen to me. I mean, I'll be honest. When I told my mom, I didn't think she was going to react that extreme negatively. Not to scare you at no, all. No, like no, no. You're older now, and you you see more. Like I was only fourteen, thinking because my mom would say, um, saying to literally quote, 
saying to um, gay men can't get married is like saying a black person and a white person can't get married. And I was like, cool. Like, that sounds so great. And I thought that would I would be okay. But then because it directly affected her life yeah. and it was different from her box, it wasn't okay. Yeah, I honestly <sighs> have no idea. And that's like the unknown that I... I, I don't know. Um, the only the the only thing to me that I that I think of is who am I going to lose in my life, if any? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, oh goddamn, they're so chismosos. Yeah, like right. Latinos, like it. Mm-hmm. There's no if you don't think Latinos are chismosos, you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> you're oh my and you're just gonna be like. Yes, and so that's one of the things. Like, I have an aunt. If she knows, everyone knows. Mm -hmm. And so they talk very regularly. So to me, I'm like, as soon as I tell my mom... Everybody's going to know. It's either everyone's going to know or my mom might not say anything. Mm -hmm. But you put up a good point. Like, I actually don't know because my sister is straight. My younger brother, definitely into women. And (laughs) for me, I've always kind of been the odd child. And so I don't think that's it's gonna be surprising for my mom. I mean, she's made like that comment, like, "Oh, not even yeah. a girlfriend." So like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a lot easier in this time too, because it's more accepting now. Yeah, yeah, because and that's the thing. Like, had I not had things not changed, I I, I remember actively telling myself, "This is like I don't know if I would have had the courage to come out, even in my my like yeah. um yeah. public life with like friends and stuff. Like, I don't know that I would have had the courage." So like, honestly, like. Listening here, like, and hearing you guys talk about, like, a young, just younger age than me realizing that I was queer, it's, it's like, holy shit, like, I don't know if I would have ever had the courage to do what you guys did at your age. And I, like, have feelings of, like, super proud of you guys, but also, like, <laughs> I wish I like, could, like, hold, like, a younger you and, yeah. and stuff like that. Cause, oh, don't we all? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I never really thought about that. I always just thought I was just trying to be myself, I guess. Never realized how bad it was to be myself until you start sticking out and people yeah. hammering you down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Is there anything else that you guys want to add on to that? Um, no. I mean, when my dad, when, when I did, when I came out and, you know, my dad had his whole heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really rough because obviously I spoke to my mom and she was more understanding, uh, but he wouldn't even be in the same room as me for like Oof. over three months. Like my mom would ask me to come over and I'd come over and he'd just like get up and leave or like he wouldn't be in the same space <clears throat> and he like slowly started, you know, talking to me or like at least saying hi because he wouldn't even acknowledge me yeah. when I would be there. So finally started acknowledging me, saying, started saying hi. And then one day, you know, the only way Mexican men say anything is when there's alcohol involved. <laughs> so, yeah. And, like, there was a big family party. I think we got drunk and we talked it out. Blah, blah, blah. We cried and, you know, we squ- squashed it, basically. Mm-hmm. They're um, better now. They're so much more yeah, accepting. Yeah. They're very ex- <clears throat> I actually think my dad's more accepting than my mom now. He he loves Abby. He's, like, he, call- he considers her a daughter as well. Yeah. When he, they met my mom, my yeah. mom was... At- so our parents, like, they're growing. They're growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aside from when we came out and how badly they took it. Yeah. Like, fast forward 10, 12 years later, they're growing. Absolutely. You gotta give them credit for yeah. that. Yeah. They've met her parents, they've, both they've of them. They've met, yeah. And I remember even your dad saying, like, it doesn't matter who's in the love. It's just, it's love. And yeah. You guys just love each other and respect each other and want to take care yeah. of each other. That's what matters. So there was something that I said yesterday that it clicked on my mind when I was speaking with, um, her name is Yami. And 
I was saying of like we are healing in our twenties or late twenties and stuff like that. Our yeah. parents are healing now in their fifties. Oh very true. gosh, yeah, it's very true. Wow, yeah. very. It, it definitely put a perspective in my head because like one of the things that I, I I think you guys are like are in the same boat where. I'm forgiving my parents for the things that they did because I get they did the best they could at the time and you know yeah. X Y Z they did the what they did you know to survive in yeah. a sense yeah and I'm, so yeah. it's like now they're finally allowing themselves that moment to reflect because I don't think they ever had the opportunity because we are lucky in the sense that we yes and no because <laughs> we were like. <laughs> mental illness but we're able <laughs> to process these emotions a lot sooner than they've ever been able to because yeah. they didn't have that opportunity your dad Absolutely. getting um dropping out at at a young Third age grade, yeah. my parents both didn't get out of high school or get out of middle school sixth yeah. grade is what they did my dad and my mom are one of the oldest if not the oldest and so mm-hmm. they had a lot of responsibility on their shoulders yeah. growing up in mexico yeah. and having to do all that stuff like my dad came over at 16 with his 16 17 with his brother like yeah that's just fucking scary mm. to think about having even to do this now yeah. like I'm 27 too like to do this at 27 fuck that yeah even if it was a dude like that shit's still terrifying some of the craziest stories my dad has told me is when he crossed the border just running from uh, INS running from the dogs just it's it's a whole thing it's jumping cruel. on trains it's it's super cool and that, that to me no, that's, no, sorry sorry it's cruel yeah. that they had to like they're running away from fucking dogs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. It's just, it's cool. Way to make them feel yeah. like prey. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of his stories. He, he told me, he was like, yeah, I grabbed my cousin, I threw him in front of me, I told him, don't look back. Not, and, not to glorify, yeah. but it's pretty cool in the sense of action thriller. Cool yeah. yeah. yeah this is things to. that you see in movies, not yeah. things that should really be happening, which is sad. Yeah. But yeah, he just threw his cousin in front of him, t- told him, don't you dare look back and just run. And he could... He, he says that every time he's like, you can just hear the dogs like at a distance. And he's like, we didn't stop running. You know, we ran all night. terrifying. And they're like 16, 17. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. It's, it's crazy. And so, and you, you know, now like saying things like that and thinking about all his stories, it's like, wow, he like, he had some serious trauma himself. Yeah. And like what you were saying, it's like, now we're healing ourselves and we're healing ourselves because we're, we're having conversations like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're, we're, opening the doors to kids that are probably in our, our same situations where we were about 15 years ago mm-hmm. and they can actually have someone to hear to be like ah I'm not the only one because if I had something like this when I was younger hearing somebody like me or like you know just not a white person unfortunately because mm-hmm. that's all we were we were taught when we were yeah. little um I think it would have helped a lot more yeah. I think I would have been in a so healthier more place. Representation of, more representation. Of what yeah. it is today. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually, again, there are multiple reasons why I wanted to do this. That is one of them because how many times, how many times in my life did I feel alone for XYZ reasons? Because I was a light skinned Latina, because um, I'm, I'm not straight. Like all these things I felt alone in. Yeah. And it's like, had there been a voice? of someone who looks something like me or something similar experience that I could look up into and relate, wow, the difference it could have made yeah. to that fucking little kid yeah. that I was. Yeah. Absolutely. I like to reach out to my little cousins and stuff because I want to be the person that I wanted to yeah. reach out to me when I was <laughs> their age. I actually, I it's a beautiful thing that I got to see the effect of doing that because um, yeah. when I moved back to California, I was 17, my cousin was 12. 
So what and, area? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, the, the Bay Area. Um, yes. I grew up in South, South City, South San Francisco. Okay. Nice. Mostly there. Um, and we live next door to each other, my cousin and I. And so we got to spend a lot of time together. She's the oldest. And she would come to me a lot for a lot of things. And I always made myself available to her. I always wanted to talk to her about mental illness and be open about it. Because I was like... And she was shit's... the oldest. And she was the oldest. Oh. So I was like her older sister. Mm-hmm. The sister that she never had. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, to this day, she she will still hit me up and be like, hey, can I talk to you about this one thing? Like, we don't talk to each other as often, but when we do, like, she knows that I'm there for her. Yeah. Yeah. And it, when I realized that, like, what I tried to do, it actually happened and it made, it made a difference to her. Like, that warmed my heart. I was like, I because I was like, I made an impact on that one single person. That is something that I that I can say that I accomplished in this life, yeah, and stuff. And so. plus, how many more people you're reaching now? Yeah, how much more you're saying. Look at this diversity. You're not alone. Like I yeah. wish I listened to something like this when I was struggling with my own identity. Well, and especially in our own <clears throat> culture, where it comes down to like how you said, you tell one person, everybody's gonna know. Like, mm-hmm. how are you gonna <clears throat> trust anybody in your family? How are you gonna have that connection with anybody if you know you can't trust anybody? Yeah, are they gonna look at you as? the gay one now are they gonna like are they gonna look at you differently are they gonna disown you like just all these things like you are now completely like these things cross my mind like the unknown and i'm a very anxious person and not knowing what's gonna happen is a very anxiety inducing thing so having it just shows how how i've come a long way that i i don't think about that anymore and like it is what it is and if i lose people in my life because of who i am then I do not want them in my life. Yeah. And having that mentality as an adult I, is very um, beneficial because I feel like yeah. I'm in a very strong place where shit hits the fan, then... Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's I, where I am now, too, same. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, that, that's the thing. I'm not saying that I won't be emotional. Yeah. I'm going ha- like, to have my feels Absolutely. about how it but I'm also going to, like, put my boots back on and... You're going to stand by who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. That is, like, the best thing that anyone can do for oneself. Yeah. Especially for people pleasers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My goodness. And in situations like this, like, you really have to do what's best for yourself. You have to be selfish. Like, you need to understand you're going to be selfish and people are going to tell you you're being selfish. Like, that's an understanding that I had to come to as well. Like... Knowing that, like, I'm gonna get you know disowned or whatever, just because you're like, disrupting listen, the lives involved. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's so uncomfortable for them. But guess what? I'm more uncomfortable in my own skin right now. Yeah. You can deal with this for 20 minutes. You're not living my yeah. life. My you're mom just would say, "I'm just scared for you." It's like, don't be scared for me. Look out for me. Be there for you me. You know, uh, speaking of that, so oh, shit. Um, oh, never mind. I lost it. No, no, <laughs> you're good. I fucking okay. lost it. We'll come back. It's okay. Um. <laughs> All right, this is kind of like another good moment to kind of heal on to the big topic of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, in my family, it wasn't really talked about, but I felt fortunate that it was, it was like, it was, it wasn't hush-hush, but we did talk yeah, about it. Like my mom went through mm-hmm. her stuff. So I think because my mom dealing with her own depression mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm the, the <laughs> I am the token or what is it? I'm the mentally ill child. <laughs> I am that person. And so I think with me, um, I think because my mom had gone through her stuff, it made it a little bit easier maybe. I don't know. This is just what I'm guessing. It, for them to kind of like, oh, I'm going through some stuff too. Yeah. It was still very like they would leave me alone if I was going through something. They didn't come to me and like, hey, how are you doing? They didn't mm-hmm. talk to me. They were like, okay, Moni's going through something. We're going to go let them alone. be. Yeah. 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 Which is, 
I mean, I don't know. How did you feel? Did you want the opposite reaction or did you want that reaction? I, looking now, thinking back now, I didn't want that. Yeah. I I, I needed someone. I wanted someone there and my my sister, bless my sister, um, she said to me and it's like it's stayed with me ever since um, at like 13 years old. All right. And she's, she was 16. She's like, I don't know what you're going through, but I'll try to understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm really thankful that she did say that because it, it made the difference and it made me realize the power of words, mm-hmm. the power of, of words from someone who cares like that. And yeah. um, what was I going this? Yeah. And then my cousin who lived next door to me, she didn't have that luck with her parents. Like her parents would be like, ¿Cómo que, que estás de, eh, tienes depresión? Levántate, vente fregar, haz tarea, haz yeah. algo, como que. And then her ADD, or ADHD, she's pretty much, she is super, super, the inattentiveness is like super, super present. And so her parents would, not, and I give her shit for it, but just for lack of a better word, words, it, she struggled with it because she was feeling a certain way and her parents were not understanding. Yeah. And I don't, that to me is like there's no validation no and it fucking sucks and i there were some times that i would be the middleman between them yeah. because i was older enough and my uncle would be like can you help me talk with her i have no idea how no. to talk with her or like hey she told me this one thing and i'm glad she trusted me with this but like i don't know how to go about this isn't that and then, load on your shoulders at such a young age you know what in a sense i was okay with it because i was like i didn't have that buffer oh, okay so you i just was, let it go through i i was okay with that because i was like because I was, I've always, I had been in her shoes, but I also was older enough to realize, like, I know where my uncle's coming from. Because I had been like, okay, my dad was like this, my mom was like that because X, Y, Z. Like, I get the parents' behavior. And so I would go to my cousin. I was like, you know, your dad just loves you and he just doesn't know how to, like, talk to you or he doesn't like, understand this and that. And so there was one time, like, I was in the room and it was my cousin, my uncle, my aunt. We were all fucking crying. Wow. Yeah, we were all fucking crying because of like something. That sounds that... healthy. That sounds healthy. What <laughs> a growth moment. It doesn't feel like it in the moment, but you know what? I didn't. No, I never thought about it like that. But it's like something moment. that was that my cousin was going through, and I was just there trying to like help them explain each mm-hmm. other. I was like a fucking therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just helping them like try to understand each other because I was like, I've been where she's at, and I get where you're coming from because I understand my parents' actions now. And stuff like that. And my mom, I don't think she realized that she said this. I was like, oh, you just called them fucking out. But um, my mom was visiting one time and we were over at, at her place or my family's place. And she said something. We were talking about mental illness or something like that. We were talking about medications because I was like, yeah, I'm taking medications again. And my mom goes like, yo, yo nunca le dije a Moni que nomás eres floja, levántate. I don't know, something like that. And my aunt was right there, and I was like, oh, you just called her out because that's she what she said. She literally said like, that, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, awkward. But, like, I guess that just kind of goes to show the support that I had when it comes mm-hmm. to mental illness versus the support that my my cousin had. Yeah. yeah. It seems like they were just very ignorant to what, not, I don't know if ignorance is the right word, but just they didn't know. They, they didn't know. know and their relationship is. is so much better now. Like, mm-hmm. they used to fight, like, cats and dogs, Um, my, my cousin and her mom. And, like, last time when she came to visit me last summer, I, I heard them talking on the phone. I'm like, I never would have expected that from, mm-hmm. from you guys. Sounds healthy. Like, yeah. And, it, and I'm glad that it they got, it, it, it got better and everything. Yeah. Like, But, yeah, there's that. Anyways, going back into the mental illness. So I was trying to, like, stay my little, like, brief, like, 
not history, but like give a little bit about myself and then be like, I love it. That's what helps us put together (laughs) our own little thing when we hear it. Yeah. So like um, you, I asked, so the question I think I had asked was like, um, do you have mental illness? And one of them was yes, but undiagnosed. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know, like kind of. Well, I mean, growing up so old school and Mexican, you know, if you're not bleeding or like actually hurt then there's probably nothing wrong with you um we were actually talking about this the other day it's like when you're crying when you're little and you know their their first reaction is to to be like give you an actual reason to cry it's like you know i have so much emotion and that's probably why we cried earlier is that you know we have so much emotion you weren't allowed to cry as a kid exactly that now that when we do have that moment of crying, it's like for for us it feels like we're weak or something. But it's just it's so overwhelmingly built up mm-hmm. from a young age to be told not to cry, and you know like you're fine. It's like oh well, I'm sad. It's like well what do you got to be sad about? Don't be sad. Go mop. Go do dishes. Go do this. There's like, people off way worse than you. Yeah, yeah. that's my constant. Like, I always I tell myself that today. It's yeah. like. No, well, like, in Africa, you know, there's yeah. always going to be kids worse off than yeah. other kids. But, like, <clears throat> it's not what a seven-year-old wants to hear. They want to hear, like, hey, I know you're having a hard time. You can cry it out if you need to instead of, like, you know, m- my first instant reaction whenever I was upset was leave. Go like, hey, you're being emotional? Yeah. Leave. Wow. So now if I'm having some sort of frustration or emotion, I need to separate myself. Because that's what I was taught. Yeah. So it's hard. And I'll constantly be like, no, like, come here and talk to me. So, like, she'll get really amped up about something, whatever it is, and I want to talk about it. And her thing is to just go away and leave it. I'm like, no, like, I need to talk yeah. about it. And I can imagine the difficulty in breaking those old habits. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's It's been a journey for us and from the be- very beginning. But we, she's, you know, had my back the whole time. And we've been breaking through our own stigmas <laughs> and family traumas and all that stuff which has been great but it's it's been very raw at the same time which is hard in relation to the mental illnesses mm-hmm. that you were just talking about i mean I, I, we don't need a therapist to tell us that we are experiencing anxiety attacks or panic attacks or we get stuck in our own heads and we start freaking ourselves out hyperventilating getting into a feeling of just absolute despair and nothing's gonna get better yeah that's our mental issues from yeah our past boiling now yeah yeah which is it's very frustrating and sometimes like you know i have people in my family that have bipolar and i find myself at times like being very irate about like the most ridiculous things and then like literally five seconds later like i'm calm and i'm like is that a thing like is is this being bipolar or am i just being crazy like what's going on so yeah. it's it's hard to know and it's it's hard to seek help at the same time because i never i wasn't taught to seek help mm-hmm. uh, so i was like hey you're gonna be okay you're fine you're not bleeding it's fine yeah and so like now as an adult like asking for help is hard so that's something we're currently working on we're, we're trying to get therapy and work on those things yeah it's literally what i put when i was looking for a therapist like, <laughs> just recently i put out in my little bio or summary whatever i put um trying to except that a lot of things in my past did actually mess me up and are now affecting me in my adult life and I'm trying to forgive my parents with the understanding that they were doing their best and that I 
more than likely never get an apology for it. Yeah. Speaking of apologies, so just a little sidebar note, um, the whole writing something down, I actually did that because I had a very toxic ex. Mm-hmm. Mine was like 10 pages back and front. Yeah. <laughs> and I debated sending to him. I decided ultimately you don't get to learn. You don't deserve to get these words. Yeah. And so I burned it. And good. it felt fucking great. Yeah. That, it felt it's fucking good great. Advice. So yeah, that's like that's literally what I thought of when I when I was like, yeah, that shit fucking works. Mm-hmm. It, it really felt very does. fucking freeing to just be like, I he, there was a lot of things. Everything down. Yeah, and and to me I'm like, I forgave you for the shit you never Without, even thought to yeah. forgive yeah. to like to ask for forgiveness about. Yeah. And so, yeah, burn your shit. If you ever get mad, burn, burn that burn letter. That Write a letter, oh, yeah. fucking burn it. Nope. Um, all right, you, your turn. <laughs> uh, if there's anything you'd like to share about, like, um, mental illness, like, growing up in your household, how it was discussed or not discussed. and um, Yeah, I mean, I I grew up seeing my parents. Um, my dad had a lot of anger, still has a lot of anger management problems. Um, so anger was the, probably one of the first emotions I learned as it's okay to express yourself that way when it's not. It's, you know, one of those bad traits that you're learning and picking up on from other adults around you. Mm. So I went through my life, like when I was angry, my response was break something, break everything, break what's in your way, like hit yourself, it doesn't matter. And that's how I would respond, probably worse so because I was a child, so I didn't have limitations. <laughs> my mom would literally be like, go to your room or she beat my butt taking me mm-hmm. in my room. Um, and I realized probably in high school that that's not okay. So I tried to work on my anger and so far it's been going good, but because of new life changes and working on myself, I am experiencing a little bit of a, some blow ups here and there. Yeah. Not as bad as I, when I was younger, but they're still pretty bad. So that's something I'm working on now. I don't know if anger management is a mental, it is right a mental issue. Anger management, you just I, can't. You're in a rage. I think it, there's probably something there, but yeah, I honestly... it's like on a spectrum, right? Yeah. I, I have a buddy sure. who's a therapist. I'll go ahead and ask. <laughs> <laughs> She's well, a, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. I'm it's sure. An emotional it's an emotional state. Mental, and it's, an, and it's a yeah. mental because I will be... Uh, for example, I'm not even afraid to admit, I'll, when I do get in my rage moments, it's a lot of thinking of how, like, that despair kind of mental depression I guess you can say just mm-hmm. the whole desperate moment of just anger boiling up and I'll get red and I'll start shaking and now I'm getting to a point where I don't want to break anything anymore I already went through like two controllers oh, we no. can't keep doing this <laughs> so I just sit there and I'm shaking with rage and I'm like this isn't okay I need a therapist to give me a tool because I don't know how to deal with this unfortunately I was lucky enough to have tools in my young life from I don't know how yeah. I feel like a lot like I feel like for yourself too our self-preservation and all these things we pick up to on tools at a young age and that's bad. able to get us through life yeah. to this point where it's like I need to keep working on myself because now I'm noticing this anger management is a problem it was never able to that's fix just it I need a tool putting yourself in survival mode so mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to escape survival mode so we can live exactly exactly yeah. we've yeah. only gotten here so far barely from all this and I just need better methods now yeah yeah but um that and also my mom was a mood swingy she was very hot and cold she'd pick us up from school and she'd be angry I don't know why and then we'd go she'd like relax she'd relax but most of the time it was like say I don't have for no fucking reason like she starts yelling in the mornings I'm just like what's up and I'm noticing I'm a lot similar and um I think it's bipolar. I remember we'd be. I remember this one time we were in the car. She picked us up from school, and I was just a little meh, teeny, annoying little punk. And she'd be all happy, and my brother and everything would be like, my mom would be like, "Where do you guys want to go eat?" And then I'm like, "I don't care. I mean, 
not hungry, you know, just being a yeah. little brat. And she immediately switched. She, like, freaking smacked me on the side. She's like, I was having such a good day until now. And, like, really just a whole drastic switch. And I'm like, and me thinking, oh, I'm, like, that was my fault. Yeah. Like, that's me. No, it wasn't. Something was going on with her. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that I have ADHD. And you guys both nodded as of, like, yes. <laughs> yes. My dad. My dad actually also has it undiagnosed, uh-huh. but I it's there. Yeah. It's very oh, it's obviously there. there. I didn't think I, I mean, I was fine. I thought I was just a super, like, hey, super yeah. energetic. And she's like, you can't focus long enough to complete tasks. You're not okay. And it's, yeah. And it's not that I have a problem with it. It's just I want her to be aware. So, like, it, like sometimes it is a problem, you know, yeah. like getting well, ready today. And our <laughs> plans and organizations and stuff like that. And it's not for lack of me trying or being forgetful or selfish or anything. It's just I genuinely just minutes turn like, into an hour and I don't realize. She's like, I'm going to get up get ready and we'll get going and then she's like feeding the dog taking the then dog i started walk. putting other things and then on the plate she like did yeah. my hair and then she <laughs> was doing her eyebrows and then it's just like it's just things that get yes. added on to it and i'm like it's 7 or it's 10 15 now <laughs> <laughs> which it worked out for me so yeah. i'm like it worked out in general so i'm like that's great um uh-huh. have you ever tried adderall or any kind of stimulant like that? i don't i've I've always been super against uh, pharmaceutical drugs just because I feel I felt so long that I can get by without it. Um, I'm realizing, believe it or not, I'm realizing it in my dog that <laughs> pharmaceutical drugs are there to help you sometimes. Like if you get the right concoction or cocktail going, it does because it is a chemical a imbalance in your. But it is. Yeah. It is a chemical imbalance within you. And yeah. I'm gonna say that to. my life fucking changed when I took Adderall. I, at this point. I cannot be without it and function in this society. Yeah. I, I cannot get shit yeah. done. Um, I realize the amount of effort that it, take, it takes for me to just get out of bed. And the first, okay, the, it was like the second or third day. I tell the story all the time. It was the end of the day. I was like, oh, my God, I was so productive. I sat there and realized what I did. I made my bed. I cleaned my apartment. I did laundry and I did my dishes. Focused? Like, you, yes. st- you didn't stray and do no, something I did else. all of that. <laughs> In one day, I know. So it fucking blew my mind. I'm like, this is normal. It fucking blew my mind. Okay, and here's the thing that's other that's hilarious. I never made my bed. I was always terrible at making my bed. My mom would always make it for me. My bed was made just because of my mom. <laughs> and then growing up, I would only do it. I'm like, oh look, I have time or I feel like it. I made my bed. I had never made my bed as often as I did when I first started Adderall. It's like a focus thing. Because I thought about it and I did it. it. And that's the thing. Like you think about something and you just do it. And I had no idea that it's that easy for people. Yeah. It's that fucking easy. The other thing that I noticed is um my irritability is is lower. Really? Yeah, my anxiety. No, I'll say this because um I was switching from one medication and gonna go on to stimulant. Or something happened, basically I wasn't on it, and I was like getting really fucking pissed off. And I was at work, and I was like, work, this machine was like pissing me off, and I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, why did I get mad at that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god. It's because I'm not an Adderall, so my irritability is a lot lower, mm-hmm. and my anxiety and depression went down. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Yeah. It sounds... Like, I'm not, nice, I'm not gonna lie, like, I like to tell people, because I, I'm, I'm open to pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals, but... Pharmaceuticals. There you go. <laughs> um, I don't stumble over my words as much. I can process my brain and then say things a lot better. May I ask? Yes. Do you smoke weed? 
it. I do. Regularly. Yes. Okay, because I do regularly too. I used to do it because it would calm my mind And it down. makes you feel, that is like what, you're not masking. Mm-hmm. When you smoke, you are not masking. Mm-hmm. It is who you are. And I always thought I was just like stupid, goofy. Like, I was like, no, that's just me without the fear and of like, yeah. So, so it makes it better. It slows me down. Personally, when I smoke weed, it does slow me down. It gives me more of a peace because my mind is constantly going super Yeah, fast. and that's the thing. I didn't realize how quiet my mind could be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to practice meditation. It's real hard. No, it is fucking hard. Like mindfulness is hard. Yeah. But this is fucking decaf. I can't, I don't have <laughs> caffeine yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. And I realized that's the other thing. Caffeine doesn't do shit to me, and it makes sense why I never, like, ha- was addicted to it like other people would. Like, I don't need it. I just drink it for the taste. Yeah. And so... I have to drink a lot it, to get to that nice, like, let's ride it out and start just... Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Jesus. that's the thing that makes... That's why it makes sense to me. I was like, oh, no wonder. And then caffeine can actually work as, like, a sleep aid sometimes. Sometimes mm. it'll make me fall asleep. Oh, I'll drink coffee at night every now and yeah. then. Yeah. And she's like, you're weird. <laughs> right? I thought, like, I was always, I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink it because I'm like, oh, I don't want to stay up. And now I drink it whenever I feel like it because I'm like, obviously, it doesn't fucking affect taste. me. Yeah. I'll have it with a little concha or something, like, whatever. Oh, my God. I don't know what it was, but I wrote it down. So there's someone that I interviewed, and he mentioned that um, one of his kids um, came out as non-binary, and they're like... 10 11 or something Mm -hmm. and i was like wow because it's only been a couple of months since i was like i was like oh i identify like that so i the way that he was talking and saying things i was like thank you for allowing uh, thank you for providing such a safe space for your kid yeah where they felt comfortable enough to say that to you yeah and so like it really warmed my heart because i'm like imagine just like that's where we're heading towards yeah and it's just like i'm getting goosebumps right now am i yeah i'm getting goosebumps because it just makes me so happy that kids don't have to feel how they felt like you said you were suicidal i am have not had had my fair share of suicidal ideations and like it's fucking terrible it's shitty Mm -hmm. such a dark place it is and so um one of my friends said this uh, we were watching a movie and this person was like um wanting to go over the edge or something like that and then you pan over to the next scene she's on the floor uh, on the balcony crying and she goes and says i think that's the worst part is knowing that you actually wanted to do it mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god yeah. i was like you're fucking right yeah. and so when i was talking with him armando and he said like when he was talking about his kids and just like the way that he's creating such an open space an uh, open safe space i was like <sighs> just like your kids may never have to feel like how we felt. Yeah. And I'm so happy. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it makes me emotional. It gives me goosebumps in such positive ways. No, absolutely. My brother just had his second baby. Oof. And I see him being a dad. And oh, he's amazing. Yeah. He is complete opposite. He's so attentive. He's there. He's mijo this. And why are you upset? Or you just want to cry right now? It's okay if you want to cry. Like, you know, just very validating. Yeah. And it's just like, you're gonna, you're doing it right. Yeah. Our sister-in-law yeah. even said after she had her first baby, right? Yeah. She's like, I think it was like a week or so, a little more after. She's like, I haven't had to change a diaper yet. <laughs> like yeah. it's good. Like he's so involved. And how often, Super how good. common was it when we were kids where our dad probably never changed a diaper? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's super nice because I know it's gonna be like, like how you said, it's like, ah, oh, they're just not gonna have to have those like hard moments or like traumatizing moments of like being alone because they know they can talk to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. There were so many things he was saying that I was like, 
like um the consent even to like hug yeah his own kid yeah if his kid says no not right now or like i'm not feeling he's like okay yeah. And I love that. Like, how many times were we as a kid like, oh, go hug your aunt? I don't oh, know who the fuck they are. Not just hug, but kiss Going too. to a family get-together was, and I felt some kind of guilt or or embarrassment if I didn't go hug or kiss that person hello or goodbye. Yeah. And it is weird. Yeah. I just felt so Fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. I hate going to... Just because of that. I, I, I hang out with little kids. Mm-hmm. I still hang out with my little cousins. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm here. I'm here with adults. I'm like, oh, you guys are talking about something that I'm no longer interested in. Okay, bye. Yeah. I, I flip between them yeah. all the time. Like, if the kids are doing something that I'm like, Me okay, yeah. this is cool. I'm going to go see what the adults are doing. Yeah. I go hang out with the adults. I'm like, go. Go, Spencheseando. Then you just pull up my chair. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll sit here and just sit in the sit background. <laughs> yeah, okay. Is there anything that you guys want to, like, add or mention anything about mental illness anything you like to talk about no. discuss i just i'm glad that things are changing now yeah. i'm glad that people are getting help i'm glad it's not a stigma of like oh wow there's something seriously wrong with you it's no, like yeah, oh it's like not a stigma. i mean we currently have guy friends who are very mexican very male very like i'm the man in the relationship and i have to do it this way because i'm the man mm-hmm. we actually had a conversation with him about like we're clearly not males in this relationship. Who do you think looks after who? And he was genuinely stumped. He's like, like he never thought about it. He was just like, I don't know. Like who yeah. would look after who? It's like, exactly. It doesn't matter. Like the energy levels can change. Yeah. If you feel like you need to take over in a situation, that's great. If your partner feels like they can't handle it better, awesome. And that's great. There is no, you're the male. You have to do everything. There is no like, yeah. it's just... It's a, it's yeah. a, the world is changing. Yeah, yeah everything's changing. The way we view a relationship is changing. I'm just glad that our our culture and our our people are getting Especially the sense of our culture. Yeah, of like, you know, therapy is is very healthy and it's gonna help. Yeah, well, grow the, the family friends, more. They're, they're realizing even how they're thinking. It's very backwards. Been, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll say that I've actually been in some way form shape or form in the mental health system since i was 16. and so for me i've been over it's been over a decade with me that i've been working on my mental health and honestly every single year that goes by i'm in disbelief of how much i'm growing and so it's to me like i am very a big proponent of mental health and talking about it like the first time that i felt something was wrong and i was sad i was like i don't like this this needs to get fixed i don't like this at all and um i yeah, I, I, and I, from that moment, like, I was like, I don't want to ever feel ashamed for having this depression or anything like that. Um, I realize caffeine affects me in a really bad way sometimes, too. Uh, little story. So I was, it was my first quarter of school, of college. I had taken two years off and I just started. And um, I had had medium, a medium roast coffee. And that shit has so much more caffeine. And so I was like, Oh, jittery, whatever. My heart was already racing and everything. And we go to class and the teacher was like, okay, you guys are going to present your like intro thesis in front of the class. Going in front of people, I fucking dissociate. That's how terrified and like so much social anxiety I have being in front of people. And so... I don't know if you noticed when we started, but I was like shaking because that's how I got. No, to, I didn't. People, I was like shaking and like I can barely talk. It's, yeah, that, like for me, I just usually don't shut up. <laughs> so that's what helps me. I'm like I'm just like talking, talking, talking. Um, but yeah, um, she was like, okay, where do I start? Like she's picking where to start. I'm like, start on the other side. That was a big mistake because as soon as that started snaking around closer to me, 
the more my heart's already racing. Got sick. I got caffeine. Yeah, and the, the caffeine did not make it any better. Oh, and I was fucking shaking. I was sobbing. I was like crying inside my sweater. Oh, no. <laughs> and my topic for that paper was about mental health and stigmas. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So after after everyone had left, and I was too far away from the door to like make a little escape, and so um, I sat there, and like they they skipped over me. They had to because I was like in a fucking shirt, crying, bawling my eyes out. Oh, like how I was. You? I was fucking 20. Uh-huh. Okay, I was like 20 okay. or 21. Mm-hmm. I think it was 20. Yeah, I think Damn. it was 20. But anyways, um, yeah, and afterwards, like, people are leaving, and I'm talking with the doc- with the, the teacher, and I'm like, this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this, because, like, I feel so ashamed for crying, but I was like, I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is literally anxiety, and I shouldn't. Yeah. And so... Yeah, no, that's when I've learned that no coffee or tea, caffeine before any kind of test or exam or anything, because yeah. then I will lose my shit. Um, and I discovered that, like, I just need a couple modifications. Like, I need to be the first one that goes up. I need to have, like, lights dimmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, when I was done, I was like, okay. And I walked out the door. <laughs> I just fucking walked out the door. And I'm like, Bye. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. No, like, I, I, I fucking hate being in front of people. Oh. Um yeah oh and another thing that i want to say is like I, everyone that i've really kind of talked to in one shape or form has said there's hesitation with medication and that's another reason why i like to talk about it was because i yeah so like i've been through the ups and downs i've done my trial and errors of antidepressants mm-hmm. and i've been at the low lows that those medications have given me but at the same time i've been on the other side where i got out of a depression i've had medication to help for me I've had medications help me and I I know how scary it can be, but if you find the right provider, finding yeah. someone that you trust that you can be open with and 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 tell them like I'm afraid to try medications and just have that open conversation with them, hopefully throughout time you can be more comfortable with the thought of trying something new, something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. To, to help you whether it is medication or or, or not yeah. um i love that but, and that's what i'm learning now is that because for me it's like oh it's ph- like pharmaceutical drugs that's gonna be bad i'm gonna end up addicted or something just because i have seen it in my past childhood mm-hmm. but it's not like that like yeah. there's a stigma needs to be broken like people yeah. do need help sometimes but where is i going with this medications it's not a bad thing there's a it's stigma it's on. not it's not a bad thing and like adderall Adderall is easier because it's if you have ADHD, it's gonna fucking work. Yeah. It's gonna fucking work. Yeah. And so it that one made the biggest difference and the most help right away. And I was able to see significant differences with it. And so um Is this something that you spoke to with your therapist or with the actual your medical provider? Just out of curiosity. So <laughs> just, just just to so, know where I need to actually, start. Actually, yeah, so here's <laughs> the thing. A lot of people that I've talked to including myself, like, I had to seek out treatment. I had to reach out in one way or another because I needed something, and I was like, nothing's going to happen if I don't do something about it. When it came to, like, depression, when it came to, like, later on in life, yeah. something happened, I, I was like, I, in one way or another, prompted that to get help. Mm-hmm. And then I have some coworkers who who had ADHD, so I asked them. I was like, hey, do you ever feel like this is not? Like, one of the things that I asked, I was like, hold on, I have to burp. Oh, you do, you. Excuse me. Nice. <laughs> but... One of the things that I ask people is, if someone's talking to you, do you 
like go off in the back of your mind, yeah. start thinking about X, Y, Z things, and then realize this person in front of you is talking, and then you go, oh shit, and then you're like, oh yeah, totally. Oh, oh we saw it was me just being an asshole. <laughs> no, dude, like, I'm such an asshole. You're not I'm present because that's your brain, dude. <sighs> Yeah, and that's something that goes hand in hand too. It's like I constantly with with mental health issues, I'm not thinking there is something mentally wrong. I'm thinking I'm an asshole. I need to get better at being more attentive to people and listening. And and that, the other thing is with ADHD and like autism as well. A whole bunch of like those two specifically in AFAB people, they're severely underdiagnosed. Mm. And yeah. um, for me, when I realized that I had it, and I started looking a little bit more into it, I'm like. I, I gotta go do something. So what I did was I brought it up to my therapist and I was like, hey, this is, I'm pretty sure I have this. And she said something like, all right, like, I'm, I mean, when we're talking, I have things going on in the back of my head too. And I was like, no, 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 like you have to advocate, advocate for yourself. Like be like, no, I, this is why X, Y, and Z. Like I made a list of myself for, because I knew I was going to forget. So I made a list and I was like, no, no, no. Like this is X, Y, and Z reason why I think I have this. It's like this shit is getting in the way of my life. It, it, and I was like, it, it is. And yeah. it is. And so I was like, how do I get an assessment? I want to get an assessment. I want fucking meds. Give me Adderall. And she goes, okay, go to your uh, primary care provider. She will be able to go ahead and get you a uh, uh, referral faster than I can. So I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> Make my appointments, go to my provider. I'm like, yeah, I think I have ADHD. Okay. And she's like, okay, is there something you can tell me? Like, why? La, 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 this, not. I'm like, yep, here's my list. La, 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 la. And she's like, okay, cool. Um, I'll send you out with a specialist or do a referral out. In the meantime, here's a little questionnaire to fill out, like, you know, like, yeah. like depressed. how depressed are you? But it was like ADHD. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that was really validating for me. Yeah. Um, and then I got a referral. Um started talking with them, told them stuff, and yeah. Honestly, there's also ADHD online. You can just do it straight online. That's how I first initially did it. Because yeah, I thought that's how I was supposed to do it. Yeah. It's 50 bucks or 150 or something like that. That's to get the diagnosis. And then to pursue medical management, they have an option, but I just went straight with my, Go to my medical provider yeah, I have to, to do that. So, um, yeah, that was like my, my journey into getting the diagnosis, pretty much self advocacy because I knew there was something wrong. I was like, if there's something that can help me, I want it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I was on medication. I didn't really like it for the first time. I was like, I don't feel like myself. And, um, I understand why people are turned off by medication because that was the first one that I was like, I don't feel like myself. I don't like it. I'm just yeah. like. A zombie <clears throat> I did not like it so we switched over to Adderall and that's when I started seeing the effects and the beauty of, yeah. of being able to the medication be working to, to for do you. it yeah. yeah so and my best friend um the just changed kind of thing and I thought maybe she's acting I don't like the word crazy maybe she's acting like irritable I guess I can yeah. say um because of the wrong dose or something and that just kind of put a negative look on me I guess look on it but only because I didn't fully understand and, and now that's understandable to yeah, be like and what it's you working think. for her more now and when you do find the right thing it works so yeah I'm learning I'm yeah it. it's, it's I'm definitely looking. a learning, learning process yeah all right well that is the the end of it this is it's been two hours oh, if wow. you can believe it it's been two hours if you can believe it we um, laughed we cried yes we laughed we cried yeah, I made them cry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, seriously. I didn't know. I was kind of excited. I was like, I did my eye makeup before. <laughs> well, it still looks good. You can't tell Thank that you, you cried. You can't tell. The glasses, that helps. Yeah. yeah. It helps to hide. Yeah. Yes. Um, alrighty. Well, then, if there's no last little things you'd like to mention. Mm -hmm. All right. Any shout outs or social media that you'd like to share? 
No. That's okay. totally fine. Okay. Um, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, I know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is a platform that needs to be definitely more. Yeah. When I saw visible. it on TikTok, I was like, I need to be a part of this. Like, people need to see this. Because everything you were saying, like, aligns to how I see things, too. And I'm like, people need to hear this. It, it just, it's very validating to sit across from someone and you have no idea who the fuck they are. Yeah. But you relate on, like, these little things yeah. and, and stuff. It's, it's validating because. How long? How long did we just feel alone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just it's yeah. it's nice. And then again, finding your tribe type of deal. Yeah. And then it's great to just like have a. I mean, like if anything, I was like bare minimum. I just have a great conversation. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so with me, that's something my therapist asked me. Like, what's your goal with this? I was like, I'm already reaching my goal, and let us just to have a good conversation. Yeah. Awesome. And anything after that is just plus. It's, it's just sugar on top. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. This was I was kind of worried about like having two people. I was like, how is this gonna go? <laughs> um, but no, this I think this was great. And thank you to the five people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> I know my sister listens to this. Plus um, two more. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, alrighty. Well, thank you so much. And until next time. Thank Definitely. you. Thank you.